This episode of Rebel Force Radio is brought to you by Mission to Zix, a brand new improvised sci-fi comedy podcast. Listen and subscribe now for free at audioboom.com on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Mission to Zix, that's Z-Y-X-X. Listen today. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. I find myself saying this quite a bit these days. Everybody just chill out! Calm down! We've been through this before. Maybe a couple a couple times too many. But we've been through this before. We're going through it again. We'll get through it. We always do. And uh, I think that there is plenty of light at the end of this tunnel. So we'll definitely be talking about What's on everybody's mind? Big topic of discussion, the ouster, the firing, the removal of director Colin Trevorrow, shaking things up in the galaxy far, far away. We've got that. We're going to be checking in with some of your listener voicemails. Promise, promise, as I tell my kids, if I say I promise, I actually mean it. It's a big deal when I say I promise. So I promise that we'll get to your uh, your voicemails. Uh, but um, there's so much to say about uh, this uh, big, big, big news of the exit of Colin Trevorrow. Uh, we've been living with Colin for uh, quite a while now uh, in terms of, uh, you know, his having that uh, big stamp, the big sort of final he was put. Oh, my gosh, my my force link <laughs> was starting up. See how sensitive it is? Anyway, all right, well, let's get to it. Um, I can't do it alone. You know that. Uh, I have my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to Rebel Force Radio as we are 97 days away until yeah. The Last Jedi hitting movie theaters everywhere. Yeah, we're already into September, September 8th. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, just a little more than three months. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we're getting pretty psyched up about that. We're going to get together here in the Chicago area to see it all together for the first time. And uh, we're inviting Rebel Force Radio listeners to join us. So if you'd like to be the first to get those deets, send us an email. Show at rebelforceradio.com with the subject line TLJ in Chicago. And uh, we'll add you to the list. And the list is starting to grow, Jason. We're going to have a... A nice crowd together of Rebel Force Radio listeners to uh, see it on opening night. And I can't wait. 
I'm excited. I'm really excited. I, did, by the way, do you have, I meant to ask you this last week, but do you have a Last Jedi t-shirt yet? I don't. I know they're out there. People have been reporting to me that they've been picking them up at your various big box stores like Walmart, but uh, I don't have one. Do you have one? I do. I got one. I can't believe I beat you to it. And it's black. Of course wow. it's black. But uh, no, I got mine at Hot Topic. I, um, As listeners know, my, my kid's just crazy about like all the Funko stuff and the mystery minis and blind boxes and all of that. And so she... Um, I promised her we'd go out to Hot Topic and uh, take a look and see what new came out. And they're having a big sale. You got these. And I got to say, um, I'm very particular about T-shirts because I'm not really a T-shirt guy. Uh, not because I'm suave and sophisticated, but because I, I just they don't um, my, my, my body type and everything. It just, <laughs> I, it's a thing. It's a thing. I don't wear blue jeans and I don't wear T-shirts very often because I'm a, I'm a weird fit. I'm That's short, weird. That's I'm all short I torsoed. Wear. I know. And you always rock it. I mean, I, you know, I'm just going to say <laughs> you always look great. You, always, you know, I said I said I said to my wife one time, I'm like, how is it that Jimmy looks more dressed up? In a you know a button down shirt over a black t shirt and blue jeans than I do sometimes you know wearing you know khakis and a tie I don't know it, it just it, you know how to you know how to do it but anyway. uh, well thanks thanks but yeah. I mean you know as far as fashion flair goes as Swank holds down the uh, title of uh, of cool dude here at Rebel Force Radio I couldn't even compare I wear the same t shirts I've been wearing for ten years well the grass is always greener. You know, yeah, right, you, always, right. you, always, you always want you want what you don't have. But anyway, I just want to say this. So this T-shirt I got, it's a black T-shirt, just very simple, says it has the logo Star Wars The Last Jedi on the front. Um, there's no red. I would have really liked to have had some red accents or at least The Last Jedi be red or the Star Wars logo be red. But I can live with it. It's all white. But what I love about it is the back. It's designed to be like a concert T-shirt. You know, the old concert T-shirts with the dates, the tour dates? Love those. Yeah. But instead of tour dates, it's got the, all of the films and the release date. So it starts wow. with The Phantom Menace, then has attack, you know, May 19th, 1999, um, and then Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Now, I, if I had to be real picky, I would say I'd like them in actual chronological order in terms of the, you know, when the films were released. But it's doing it in Star Wars canonical order, starting with Phantom Menace and going all the way through The Last Jedi coming out December 15th, 2017. But it's a really cool shirt, and it's great material, um, and uh, the, you know it, the, the medium fit me great, um, and I'm kind of a weird fit, like I said, and I, uh, I am, you know. But anyway, um, I loved it. And it said hot topic, and it was twelve bucks. It's on sale for twelve. Great bucks. price, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, I finally I, I do have the the last Jedi T-shirt, and uh, I'm, it's always fun to to wear that, uh, you know, right out of the gate. I remember. Jim, when you picked up, you picked up a Rogue One shirt like real early in the game. We were at did, uh, yeah. Disney. Uh, I think it was at Celebration, wasn't it? We were in Orlando. No, it was. This was actually uh, or at our meetup at, um, at Disney uh, Star Wars weekends. Hmm. Yeah, and that was only last summer. <laughs> it feels like it was so long ago. It but does it was feel only like it last was summer. Ago. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. So, um, you know, while we're on the topic of merch. Um, I was uh, I was driving. I gotta keep my voice down because um, I don't necessarily want the wife to know I'm going on toy runs on my way home from okay from the day job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So keep it on but, the down low, right? Yeah. Now. Don't let anybody know. Today yeah. would have been a good day to do a uh, a uh, 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 RFR road rage. Um, 
rush hour because I was doing this toy run. So I stopped off. I didn't really find anything. I didn't really find anything. I stopped off at a, at a Walmart, a Target, and then hit a GameStop. I go in this GameStop. And, you know, these stores are like closets. They're really, really small. Mm-hmm. So you can't go in there kind of and just be left alone. You know, the, the, the employees are you can tell that like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of promotions going on. Like they 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 want you to sign up for the card. They want you to know about every sale that's going on. And, you know, it's like uh, sometimes you go into a store and you, 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 you got you're just dying for somebody to help you. And then other times you go into the store and they just won't leave you alone. But anyway, these guys come up and I uh, said, well, can I help you? I said, I'm just, you know, checking out Star Wars stuff. Oh, we got the, you know, this Star Wars stuff. We got this Star Wars stuff. And we got this stuff is on clearance. And this is buy one, get one free and blah, blah, blah. So I'm sitting there. I'm trying to find. I'm very focused. You know, I know what I'm looking for. And um, this guy uh, comes up and he's like, so uh, you like Star Wars? Like, <laughs> and you looked at him and said, sir, do you know who you're yeah, talking well, to? I said, I said, yeah, I like Star Wars. And he's like, uh, did you like that last one? I'm like, which one? Rogue One? Or He's like, nah, the one with, uh, you know, they brought back all the old guys. <laughs> I'm like, you mean uh, Episode 7, The Force Awakens? Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, I liked it very much. Oh, really? Me too. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was I liked that one. You didn't like that, 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 uh, the, the bad guy, though, did you? I'm like, Snoke? No, no, the guy who's like all, you know, in black and everything. I'm like, uh, Kylo Ren? Yeah, you didn't like him, did you? Yeah, I liked him quite a bit. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, I liked him. <laughs> I like this. And I just finally wanted to look at the guy and say, you've never seen a Star Wars movie. Before, have you? You've never seen <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, what, what are you talking about here? But, um, no, I texted you because I, I thought, because they, they had this nice island of clearance stuff, and it was buy one, get one free. And there was a lot of different items there. They even had that, uh, you know, that, that early bird uh, that sort of retro early bird tribute Darth Vader that comes with the the old early bird stand, you yes, know, uh, yes. for the for the fortieth anniversary, and those were bogo. Those uh, are bogo, bogo free. That's wow. why I texted you and said, "Did you need one?" And you're like, "I already picked one up." So I did. Yeah. Anyway, so we did that, um, and got so I got skunked, but I got home, and there was a box waiting for me from Hasbro Toy Shop because I was lucky enough to jump when the uh, this summer's uh, Comic Con or the you know convention exclusives hit Hasbro Toy Shop. Um, I missed out on the Thrawn. I missed out on the Landspeeder Luke, but I was able to get the two pack of Ray and Luke. And so I have here in my hands the uh, the, the two pack, uh, the six inch black series of uh, Jedi Master Luke Skywalker and Jedi Training Ray. So I'm very excited so if you're uh, if you were concerned and we did get a few emails and some you know comments of very nice people saying oh i'm happy to pick this up for jason if i see it or whatever and uh, i really do appreciate that that's very kind of you um but you know, sometimes it's about the thrill of the hunt so i was able to get that and then our good friends the nortons norton they went mm. to the uh the uh the canada F- uh, fan expo and they picked up the thrawn for me and that that luke with the uh, land speeder by the way, have you opened that, Jim? The Luke and the Landspeeder? I haven't. You, you got that. Oh, you have it. No, I haven't. I, I, here's the thing. In my house, we try to do things together. So say there's a movie we all want to watch. 
For example, the new Michael Keaton film that's on Netflix, The Founder, about Ray Kroc. Oh, yeah. I want to see that, too. Well, everyone in the family has said that. (laughs) So we all have then formed this pact where we're going to all watch it together. Yeah. And nobody can get their you-know-what together to sit down and watch a damn movie. And schedules (laughs) are going in every different direction. So we go from four people wanting to see a, a movie... To nobody seeing a movie. Nobody. nobody sees the movie because we're all going to save it for when we eventually sit down and get to watch it all together. Hey, I don't so I've been. I didn't, didn't want to break it to you, but um, actually, I watched it with Wendy and the kids last week. Oh, damn! <laughs> well, now I can finally watch it. Thank you for removing the pressure. <laughs> but I do have a, a stash of some Force Friday merch here that I've been saving for my son Dylan. Uh-huh. Who is uh, so overwhelmed right now because school is back in session? Oh yeah, he's and, junior uh, high now. Uh, right? No, he's yeah. high school. He's, he's a freshman. God Almighty, he's yeah. a freshman. So wow. he's uh, he's acclimating himself to uh, the uh, the huge hallways of this giant high school he goes to, and uh, apparently after a busy day of all that school and doesn't have time for old dad and his Star Wars toys. So uh, I actually. Uh, you know, to ad- I got to admit, I have the BBA playset here still sitting in the box. Yeah, I'm dying to crack this thing open. Yeah. Oh now, yeah, I- the one with Snoke. Now you did pull uh, yeah. out Snoke, right? I did pull out Snoke. Oh, and by the way, uh, props to the guy who sent me the GIF of uh, Anakin Skywalker. Um, <laughs> the subtitle to it it said, uh, "This is me when I look at my credit card bill after Force Friday." And the gif was Anakin Skywalker, and it was this scene from Revenge of the Sith. What have I done? (laughs) Yeah, I know the feeling, pal. I know the feeling. It is true. It is true, because especially if you're going from, like, store to store, and you're getting a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. Yeah. You don't want to add it up. You're not doing the math. No, 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 you're not doing the math. That's for sure. But uh, so so I pulled the Snoke figure out of the BBA playset mm-hmm. because that was really my prime motivation for purchasing it. Yeah, and uh, that's an expensive last... figure. <laughs> oh, there he is, Snoke. Oh. But uh, last week, as we were playing with these talking action figures with the Force Link technology, we were only able uh, to get one line of dialogue out of each of them, and we thought, well, the figures are limited to that. But uh, Jason, you sent me. It was almost a panic text <laughs> the next I, morning. It was like, yeah, it was the morning after we recorded Saturday morning. I think it was like, ah, these two say more than one thing. <laughs> well, here's we- how I here's how I found out. So it's it's a you know it used to be you get up on Saturday morning and watch uh, cartoons you know with the kids, and we don't. But we get up on Saturday morning and, and we watch YouTube. Uh, on the Apple TV, and uh, one of my uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, YouTubers is a guy named Pixel Dan. He does great, uh, Dan Erdley. Um, I think Curdo knows him. Um, our old pal Dan Curdo. But but Pixel Dan has a uh, has great toy reviews and really really likable guy. And um, so he's doing a, an, an unboxing of this big uh, crate of um, Force Friday toys that that Hasbro sent out to him to do these unboxings and um he one of the things he got was the force link and he's there demoing it and he's got it strapped on his wrist and 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 he and all of a sudden he starts tapping it and they're going through different lines 
And I'm like, okay. grab my phone. I'm like, Jimmy, we totally screwed up our review. <laughs> um, they do say more, but um, but it is it is a little uh, it's a little bit touchy. I've got mine here. Um, let's see. I got to start here. Yeah, I got Weird. Snoke. So we can hear oh, actually what okay. he says, because yeah. he says things that are, I believe, from The Last Jedi. Now, of course, we've heard him say uh, this a lot. There's been an awakening. Yeah, okay, we, we get that. But if you move the, the thing on the hinge, you can... The resistance will soon be in our grasp. There we go. Oh, mm-hmm. The resistance That's new. will soon be in our grasp. That's new. What else does he say? We will crush them once and for all. What else does he say? Say something else. Snoke. The resistance will soon be in our grasp. Wait a minute. How are you cycling through these? What are you doing? I'm I'm just like... Uh, we will crush them. Like folding it. On the... Uh, there's a little hinge on the uh, yeah, the device. Right, right. So I just move it back and there's forth. There's been an awakening. So that's it. And it's like... Um, there's been an yeah, so that's like the default, right? But <laughs> yeah. then when you move the thing, he says, the resistance will soon be in our grasp. Nice. So he says a few things. Show me again the power of the darkness. Put every hanger on lockdown. I've been waiting for this day for a long time. I'll show you the dark side. Now, how are you doing it? You're tapping it? So, yeah, what I'm doing is I, I'm taking two fingers and I'm tapping right on top of that speaker. You know what I've come for. And it's cycling Where through them it? pretty good. Does it? Do you have it on your wrist? I have it on my wrist, yeah. Oh. I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Find kind of them. small on me. You know what I've come for. So that's, that's Kylo Ren. So all of Kylo's lines come from uh, Episode 7. Now I've got, now I've got Jedi Luke here. Jedi. May the Force be with you. Leave this place. Now that's interesting. May the force be with you. Stay back. Leave this place. Leave this place. Stay back. May the force be with you. Leave so, this place. So, uh, uh, can we assume that maybe that's one of his lines that he has with Ray? Yes. Leave this place. Get out of here. Stay back. All right. Let me try someone else here because I right. have Bala Tick. And uh, we, we were disappointed because he, he didn't deliver the line we thought he would. You're a dead man. Okay, there's that. that he says, You're a dead man. Take then, the droid! What? Well, take the droid? You have to tap it? The yeah. Rathar has escaped! <laughs> the Rathar has escaped! <laughs> I want you in my belly! <laughs> you tap it. You're a dead man. Take the droid! I'm tapping. You're a dead man. <laughs> my tap is not good. Hold on, I have to hold the microphone down here. So. He just keeps saying the same thing. Do you have to move the the? the Take the droid. Find color. What? Find who? Find who? Who? You're a dead man. <laughs> Take the droid. The raptor has escaped. <laughs> Take the droid. Wait. Find color. Find, Find who? Kel- Keller. Keller, I think. Keller. Who's Keller? Teller. Teller. Like Ken and like- Teller. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> he freaks out, but no, at no point does he say. Now that's a country club. Amazing, right? Amazing. 
I got the rattar in my belly. <laughs> I mean, that's like in, releasing an Ad Romati, and he doesn't say, you know. <sighs> so, are we going to get the? Are we going to get the Admiral Akbar where he says it's a trap? I'm sure that's already in production. Well, there's a six-inch Akbar. We haven't seen a three and three-quarter Akbar for. For Last Jedi, but um, you know, I was uh, I was uh, texting back and forth with our pal Joel Kramer, and he's like, "At first, I thought this was just a really dumb gimmick." He's like, "But now I'm angry at my other figures for not talking." <laughs> 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 like his other figures are letting him down. <laughs> oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sorry, you know, that's why Hasbro doesn't send us stuff for to do unboxings. <laughs> right, right. We don't know how to work the toys. Yeah. Um, but uh, hey, I do want to, before we leave the topic of, uh, of toys, I want to give a shout out to um, Brandon Wade on the unofficial uh, Rebel Force Radio Group page. Uh, which you can you can join. Uh, it's it's uh, you, you gotta you gotta be approved by on the great Facebook. admins there on Facebook. Yeah, did I say Facebook? No. Oh, I'm sorry. On Facebook, but I posted a question there because I I'm struggling finding um, reliable stands for the the six inch uh, black series figures. And uh, there's there's various many like uh, Nika Nika whatever they are NECA they, they they have some out and there's others that have some out but there's nothing really reliable and um, because of the, the this difference in the size of the peg holes and all this stuff but but Brandon had the coolest solution he found uh, through Etsy these little teeny magnets that are little circle magnets that are three millimeters by three millimeters and they actually fit in the peg holes of the figures Mm. on their feet and then if you have a metal shelf or you have a nice big washer or anything metal bang they you 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 got it you got an instant stand there they always stand up so for all those people who have their displays in the the laundry room is what you're suggesting <laughs> yeah, right. with the washer yeah, right to, sitting uh, up on top of the washing machine they they won't fall off but uh, no because you can get you know real cheap at the hardware store you can get big you know round washers you could spray paint them you know any color you want so you could have various and um he 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 posted some pictures uh, i mean there were a number of people that were you know offering to help there's you know with 3d printing um, there's, you know, there's no shortage of people who are kind of doing this themselves, but, but, but Brandon had really the, the best suggestion. And, uh, so I, I ordered them right away. So I'll, I'll do a, maybe I'll do a little quick video or something if it works out right. Um, and, and put up on our YouTube page, but I thought it was a really clever idea. And, you know, I mean, there were a, a dozen or, or more responses within just the first few minutes of, of having posted it. It's, it's a great group of people. Um, that aren't there just to talk about Rebel Force Radio, of course, um, but uh, talk about all things Star Wars and just friendly, nice people that are there to help, have a good time, and um, it's refreshing. In today's you know social media environment, um, it's great to go to a place where you know that uh, you're just there to talk about Star Wars and celebrate your love of Star Wars and have a good time. So anyway, Rebel Force Radio unofficial uh, group. Check them out. On but Facebook. they don't tolerate any 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 foolishness. There. Those <laughs> so, admins there. They, somehow uh, we've been able to slide under the radar for a few months. <laughs> yeah, but right. uh, the yeah. unofficial Rebel Force Radio Facebook group. 
Yeah. And uh, these these guys are uh, good folks. And uh, when we say unofficial, we mean it. Uh, Jason and I and the show, we have uh, nothing to do with it other than the fact that we enjoy the conversation there. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's a great group. So, okay, Force Friday, the Force Link. We finally figured out how to work the thing. I'm relieved. Yeah. I'm the relieved, you know. Uh, so uh, let's see uh, what, what people have to say about uh, maybe uh, breaking Star Wars news. Maybe some people are reporting back to us about their uh, Force Friday finds. But let's dive into the, the voicemail and just randomly yeah, listen let's do it. to one. And uh, see, these are unscreened. All right. Uh, we we have no idea what uh, the people are going to say. Uh, it, it could be uh, completely catastrophic, but uh, <laughs> hey, we're willing to to take these risks here. These are the sacrifices your, we make. Yes, for your podcasting entertainment. All right. So this uh, this is Paul from California. Take it away, Paul. Hey guys, it's Paul from California. I was just listening to the most recent Rebel Force radio podcast, and you guys are talking about the voice of Luke Skywalker in the action figure. Um, I happen to know who voices Luke when he's portrayed younger, uh, and it's uh, Bob Bergen. He is a prolific voiceover artist who is most famous for being the current voice of Porky Pig and Tweety. Uh, I've taken voice classes from him, and he's stated before that they usually call him in for video games and, and voice matches because Mark Hamill can't sound like young Mark anymore, so they call him in. You've seen him in the documentaries for the making of Robot Chicken Star Wars and stuff. Anyway, just wanted to let you know uh, that that mystery is solved. It's Bob Bergen, and... Uh, Great job, guys. Keep up the great work. Love your show. Talk to you soon. Bye. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Paul, for the information. So I'm going to strap back on here. He's talking about Bob Bergen, who's a voice actor. Yeah. And uh, he, he has portrayed Luke Skywalker in Robot Chicken. And uh, also, another connection he has to the Star Wars universe is he voiced Lama Sue in The Clone Wars. In a, a few episodes, and uh, the, the clone cadets and ARC troopers arc that uh, started off the season there in uh, 2010. And then he returned to play uh, Lama Sue a few years later in the episode Conspiracy. Well, here, I'm um, gonna, let's listen to Bob Bergen. This is uh, him as Luke Skywalker. May the force be with you. Now, I don't, think, I don't know if that's necessarily Bob. Back. He said that, it's, that Bob is the voice. He says, I happen to know. Um, that that's Bob who does the voice of the action figure. May the force be with you. Come on. Come on. May the force be with you. Leave this place. Leave this Stay place. Stay back. Does sound like, but. May the force be with but you. it's definitely a young. I mean, it's, it's a really great, um, you know, uh, doubling of the young Luke Skywalker voice. I think it's fantastic. It's just a little weird coming from that the old man Luke figure. My God, he Bob Bergen goes back voicing Luke Skywalker all the way back to 1997's Star Wars Masters of Terrace Kasi video game. No kidding. Even Shadows of the Empire in 96. Bob has been providing the voice of Luke Skywalker for decades now. Mm. He does a great job. He does a great job. I like it. But like I said, it's a little weird. It reminds me of when the... Uh Jim, do you remember when uh, when Sean Connery did the voice 
of 007 for the From Russia with Love video game. Right. I've never played it. I've never played it. I've uh, played it, and it's a real trip to be looking at young Sean Connery with the old Sean Connery (laughs) voice coming off it. I mean, it's... Somehow it still works. <laughs> I guess. But that's what reminds me. So here you got you know, old old man, uh, the old fossil Luke um, face, and you got young Luke coming out of the out of it. It's a little strange. But anyway. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's, that's very topical. So thank you, Paul. Your source for the force. Na, 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 na. Ben, Ben Kenobi. Boy, am I glad to see you. I have something for you. Your father's lightsaber. I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. No! Luke, come on! Come on! Blast the door, kid! You're all clear, kid! Now let's blow this thing and go home! Here's a name we haven't heard in a while. Charlie Ross, one man Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, you remember Charles Ross. He appeared at many Star Wars celebrations, and he's been touring with the one man Star Wars trilogy for years now. It's the only Star Wars parody permitted by Lucasfilm. Charles Ross, he's hysterical, he's hilarious. He reenacts the Star Wars films in a way only he can. One man on stage performing all the characters, all the sound effects, even some of the music. It has to be seen to believe it's really entertaining, really hilarious, and he's coming to Illinois to play the Arcata Family Theater at the Pheasant Run in St. Charles on September 23rd. It's a Saturday, 8 p.m. I'm looking to get together a group of Rebel Force Radio listeners to hang out and see this incredible show. I'll have more details as we get closer to the event, but if you want to be included in on this awesome meet and greet, hit me up, show at rebelforceradio.com, subject line, One Man Star Wars, and we will add you to our mailing list. And uh, let's all get together in a few weeks and see Charles Ross in uh, St. Charles at the fabulous Pheasant Run. And it's going to be a blast. So send those emails, show at rebelforceradio.com. Jason, we, of course, have seen Charles Ross do his act before. I've seen him. I've seen him many times. In fact, um, going back uh, many years ago, uh, he was in Akron, Ohio. And our old buddy Pete and I uh, went to dinner with him before the show. Uh, or after the show, rather, and um, he's got a great story. You know, he's he's he knows literally every line of uh, the Star Wars films, and the the reason he does is if, if if I'm remembering the story right, I believe that he was um, he was the son of uh, I think he was a he was an army brat. I think that that was the story, and he ended up living in a lot of different places. And so he would always sort of gravitate towards Star Wars. It would be on TV and it would be in different languages and he would have the subtitles on. And so he was constantly not just listening and hearing the lines, but also reading the lines of the Star Wars movies. And those and those those that dialogue just burned in his brain. So he was able to create this really fantastic 
synthesized version of of this, <laughs> the three Star Wars movies. Uh, it's really really great, super funny, and uh, yeah. and a super nice guy. And and one guy on stage doing all this stuff. It brings. It's a very fast paced experience to watch Charles completely go nuts on stage. Oh, he so. does the music. He's got the the sound effects, the voices, the whole thing. It's hilarious. It's actually hilarious. So, one man Star Wars trilogy coming to the Arcata Family Theater at Pheasant Run in St. Charles, Illinois on Saturday, September 23rd. Be there and we can hang out. I'll be there. Also, uh, one other uh, place that's really cool to hang out if you're part of the RFR community is Patreon. We are uh proud members of Patreon, and we have a page there, and we offer a lot of great exclusive programming to our RFR Patreon community. Like RFR Rush Hour, earlier this week, uh, we had our first reactions to the news of Colin Trevorrow getting the axe. The show went up on our Patreon feed within hours of the news breaking, and uh, that's the, the type of flexibility we have with Patreon. It's convenient for us to get out quick shows, and they're exclusive to that community. There's all kind of great things happening there. Occasionally, you can get early access to our shows. You get exclusive programming. As I mentioned, you even get the opportunity to host a show and talk Star Wars with myself. And we have a lot of fun with that community. It's growing by leaps and bounds each and every day. And if you join now, you can hear our full back catalog of shows. We have several editions of Rush Hour out there. We've been doing it since, gosh, going back uh, to March this year. This is new for us. It's exciting for me and something that I want to share with everyone who listens to the show. So hook up, become a member of the RFR Patreon community, patreon.com slash Radio. There's the great Patreon app that you can get to make things really easy. And we also offer you your own personalized RSS code that you could punch into any of your podcast catchers and you'll be able to get all the programming just like you do with the normal weekly Rebel Force Radio. So that's patreon.com slash Rebel Force Radio. That's the place you want to be to get all of our exclusive programming. Hey, I do want to take a moment and thank a brand new sponsor. We have a uh, new folks coming on board Rebel Force Radio this week. We are brought to you by Mission to Zix. This is a brand new improvised sci-fi comedy podcast. And, you know, I've been looking, uh, as, as we, we always do, for the latest news about the you know one of the businesses we're in, and that's the business of podcasting. And podcasting has just grown um, incredibly over the last 10 years since we've been doing shows. And one, a couple of uh, statistics that jump out at me. One, Nielsen has now estimated that we're finally living in a world where 50% of all households have listened to a podcast. Wow. And that may, yeah. I mean, that may sound like, oh, 50%. But I remember the days, Jim, we started out, it was 10%. Oh, my God. Podcast. I, I said, Dad, we have a show now. And you can listen to it on your iPod. And he said, son, I don't have a foreign car. I said, Dad, iPod's not a car. <laughs> of course, your dad would think it was a car. You know the uphill struggles we've uh, had. Yeah, the struggle is real. But um, and so there was that, and then uh, most recently, I read about a brand new musical 
being written. It's being, you know, the hope is to take it to Broadway, but they're going to release it as an episodic podcast first. Uh, Broadway musical, uh, you know, kind of like a concept album uh, that's being released as a podcast. Very cool stuff. Amazing. So it's, it was just a matter of time that we had a improv sci-fi comedy podcast like Mission to Zix. So Mission to Zix follows the misadventures of Ambassador Plek Dexeter and his crew, sound familiar, as they attempt to establish diplomatic relations with the inhabitants of a distant, uncharted corner of the galaxy, a quadrant often referred to as the ass end of space, which is kind of like what Luke talks about, you know, the bright side of the universe and the planet that is farthest from. But this podcast is created by uh, veteran comedians from the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, so well-known improv group, well-respected. And the first season has incredible guest uh, cast members from shows like Saturday Night Live, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, The Chris Gettert Show, uh, Search Party, and other great comedies. Uh, so every episode's fully improvised. Then they edit it and sound design it. Uh, so it becomes a really fast-paced, serialized audio sitcom. Yeah, Jason, it's a really great show. I got tipped off to it recently, and I, I listened to it the first time and and I just really found a connection with it because I love improvisation. To me, it's magical. It really is. And I, I grew up in the Chicago area, home of great places like the Second City and the Improv Olympic and uh, one of the great creators of the genre of improvisation, Del Close, is from my city too. And I actually got a chance to meet him when I was younger. So I've been a big fan of improvisation for a long time and I loved Mission to Zix. That's Z-Y-X X Zix. You can listen and subscribe now for free at audioboom.com, on Apple Podcasts, just wherever you get your podcasts, just like with RFR. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Coming up later in the show, we'll be talking with one of the show's creators, Alden Ford, filmmaker Alden Ford, who's a big Star Wars fan. He fills us in with all the deets about Mission to Zix, and we talk a lot about Star Wars, too. So I talked to him uh, earlier, and uh, you'll be able to hear that conversation later in the show. Alden Ford from Mission to Zix coming up later on RFR. And uh, when you're done listening to the show, go check out Mission to Zix. Find it on audioboom.com and wherever you get podcasts. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, so unless you've been living under a rock, you know the big news that just broke earlier this week. Colin Trevorrow out as episode nine director. The statement from Lucasfilm was short and sweet and went something like this. Lucasfilm and Colin Trevorrow have mutually chosen to part ways on Star Wars Episode Nine. Colin has been a wonderful collaborator throughout the development process, but we have all come to the conclusion that our visions for the project differ. We wish Colin the best, and we'll be sharing more information about the film soon. Uh, Jim, that is uh, very close in wording to the uh, letting go of uh, Phil Miller and Chris Lord just a few months ago. Um, for the, the we're helming this the Han Solo movie, I can't believe we are here again. But at the same time, it makes sense, right? I mean, it's a pattern we're seeing now. 
Well, yeah, I mean, sure, it's a pattern. Absolutely it is. I mean, this this sort of thing happens once in a while. A lot of people like to point to the Marvel franchise and the shakeup that went on with the Ant-Man director's chair, but uh, John Favreau certainly has sat in that director's chair for many films and hasn't had to look over his shoulder, and this seems to be a little bit out of the ordinary. So... For a franchise yeah, a to be, yeah, for a franchise to have this kind of turnover. So, let, let, I mean, let's go back to the beginning, uh, episode seven, "The Force Awakens." Um, there was, we, we know behind the scenes that the, that the film was offered to multiple directors. Um, JJ was offered it twice. He finally accepted on the second offering, um, but that's not unusual that's that's not nothing to be uh, too concerned about but it, the trouble really began with rogue one and gareth edwards having some difficulty uh the rumors were that the uh the the rough cut of the film wasn't what disney had had expected or more likely it's exactly what disney asked for but after the success of the force awakens it wasn't the movie that they wanted and so gareth edwards was uh, politely replaced by Tony Gilroy, who directed most of the reshoots, and it's estimated anywhere between 40 to 60% of that film was reshot and retooled by Gilroy. The difference being, Gareth uh, was a team player and took it like a man and um, then was rewarded by Lucasfilm as being the director, the undisputed director of Rogue One. Now, we move along to episode eight. Uh, Very quiet. Very quiet. No controversy surrounding Ryan Johnson. So far, so good. And we move on to the Han Solo anthology film. And we all know what happened there. Just uh, a few weeks into the shooting. And Chris Miller and Phil Lord were replaced by Ron Howard. They were fired. And the line was something very similar to this idea of visions. Visions uh, were, uh, they weren't able to reconcile the visions of the filmmakers versus the vision of Kathleen Kennedy and what um, uh, Lucasfilm and Disney wanted. And so Miller and Lord were let go. And here we are just a couple of months later, and we're in the same spot with episode nine. Now, in this case... Colin Trevorrow was overseeing the script, writing the script for episode nine. Uh, it was just a matter of um, a couple weeks ago that we had heard that episode nine was getting a brand new screenwriter, Jack Thorne. So the shakeup on nine in the script seems to be related to the passing of Carrie Fisher. That was... Uh, I, I don't think it can be uh, overstated how much of a impact Carrie Fisher's untimely passing had on episode nine. It sounds to me, and I don't know if you've interpreted this way, Jim, but it sounds to me like up until Carrie's passing, there really wasn't much controversy. It, I, I, it seemed as though they had a story and a through line for this trilogy that they were happy with. We had heard that episode seven was going to be Han's story. Episode eight was going to be Luke's movie and episode nine was going to be Leia's movie. But obviously with the passing of Carrie Fisher, that all changed. 
Well, there's a lot of assumption there. I mean, we really don't know the true story about what's going on behind the scenes. And I don't want to say that Kerry's passing is the catalyst for what drove a wedge between the relationship of Colin Cav- Colin Trevorrow and Lucasfilm. I, I don't see the evidence there that indicates that that is what happened. The timing, however, is remarkably consistent with the ousting of Lord and Miller because with their departure from the Han Solo film, we started hearing rumblings that Colin Trevorrow could be replaced on episode nine. As a matter of fact, the day that it was made public that Lord and Miller were let go from the Han Solo film, Nine Numb actor Mike Quinn posted on his Facebook page that his bet for the episode nine director would be Joe Johnston. Left a scratch in our head. Why is Nine Numb saying Joe Johnston is going to direct episode nine when we already know Colin Trevorrow has signed up for that gig well over a year ago? So we started wondering, and things were bubbling under the surface. Could this be a shift in direction in the overall philosophy by Lucasfilm concerning the production of these saga films, or any Star Wars films for that matter? Could there be this like seismic shift that made relationships with these directors impossible because they have they had worked on the film so much and put so much into the film. We know Colin Trevorrow had gone through several drafts of episode nine. We know that Lord and Miller had shot about 75 to 80% of the film. (laughs) Then all of a sudden Lucasfilm decides to go into a different direction. And by the way, I don't buy any of this mutually parted ways stuff. Okay. No, no, you know, I don't buy it. Another couple of names just real quick j- jumped out at me. I mean, you had um, you had Josh Trank, who was associated with an anthology film, rumored to be the Boba Fett film. Um, you also had, who was the guy that was brought on board to write Rogue One? Um, Gary Whitta. Gary Whitta, another guy that was sort of unceremoniously let go. And you had this huge onslaught of of writers and directors that were being announced at a, I felt, Jim, a rapid pace. seemed like every week there was a new director or a new writer being announced. And looking back on it, it seems like maybe it was a little premature, though, given the aggressive timeline that Bob Iger set out, uh, and, you know, for if, I don't know if it was Bob Iger, but, but that, that, that the company had set for these films to be released, I guess they needed to have these people hired and in place. It just seems a shame in some ways that they got the, you know, the ball and everything moving on all of these projects. And then they've been kind of unceremoniously let go. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I don't, I don't know drugs. if Gary Witta was necessarily unceremoniously, unceremoniously let go from rogue one because he was along for the development I, f- I firmly believe that. I don't think that he was just cut loose. He he developed the story with John Knoll, mm-hmm. and then stepped back. I believe they brought in Chris McQuarrie for punch ups. Uh, who else uh, was uh, 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 Chris White's? Right, right. Was um, also uh, one of the writers on that film. But it almost seems like is that that was that felt like more of a 
a relay team handing the baton from one to another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like that those guys were just cast out. Now, Lord and Miller unceremoniously dumped. Okay? There's no question about it. Those guys were fired. And, well, let me uh, ask you let me ask you this. Do you think things would have gone down as peacefully with Gareth Edwards if he would have essentially done what Lord Miller reportedly did, which was say, no, we're not doing that. Well, of course not. Yeah. Of course not. He would have been blown out, and we would have seen Rogue One directed by Tony Gilroy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but because Gareth was a team player and a class act at that, I've met the man, and he seems like a great guy. No doubt. No question at all. No question at all. He put, he put the success of the film in front of his own ego. Yes, he did. And and I believe he was still marching to the order in which he was given to give us a gritty Star Wars war film. But Gareth, unfortunately, turned in a war film that might have had little to do with Star Wars at the end of the day (laughs) as far as surface value goes. I, I, I can't necessarily jump to that conclusion because... No making of book has been released. <laughs> no, uh, no deleted scenes on the home video release. Um, so it's the, the only thing we could do is piece things together that we've heard behind the scenes and things that we've seen in trailers and whatnot. We know that there was certainly a lot that was screened in the trailers that didn't end up in a final Rogue One film. Yeah, that's why I believe we haven't seen a trailer, a full trailer for The Last Jedi is because they want to have everything locked so they don't make these mistakes again that they've made on the last two films. I don't think any film company wants to purposely release footage from a film that doesn't make it into the final cut. That makes no sense. It's a mistake. They look at it as a mistake on their end. Yeah, Rogue One took it a real step further, which is they knew darn well that they were using test footage in the tra- in the trailer. Now, see, you that know? could be some kind of like passive aggressive politicking going on by the studio. Boy, we really love this shot of the TIE fighter coming up at point blank range on uh, Jen Erso <laughs> as she's scrambling down the catwalk. Please put that in the film. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really fit the story. Well, too late. We already released a trailer. What you going to do? Well, it doesn't really yeah. fit in the final film. So, I mean, that could be some some internal politicking going on. Yeah, definitely. You know? But uh, I, I, I really strongly believe that these movie companies don't want to be putting out trailers that feature footage that doesn't end up in the final film. Because you know what? It's false advertising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're right. I mean, Jim, look, I mean, think, you know, growing up and, uh, and seeing movie trailers, you know, our whole lives, we're used to seeing... Uh, trailers where you look back on it and you go, oh, they, they, it looks like that was like an alternate take that they might have used for the trailer. So I mean, you're used to seeing things that don't quite line up. But it's pretty hard to miss the giant TIE fighter, as you say, you know, uh, at point blank on, on Jenner. So it's pretty hard to miss that not being in the, fi- in the final film. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when the, the scene does exist in the film, but without the TIE fighter. Right. So, you're yeah. sitting there going, where's the TIE fighter? <laughs> so, I mean, it just leads to disappointment, quite honestly, for me yeah. as a consumer. Yeah. Because I'm being promised something that I'm not getting. So uh, I, I look at it as, as pure and simple faulty advertising. So I think that's why we haven't seen a, a full feature trailer for The Last Jedi yet. All we have is that tease that was floated out there at Star Wars Celebration. Looking back on the timeline of the last few years of Star Wars film releases, we are way behind schedule as far as getting that trailer. But we know the film is still being edited. The sound mix is being completed at Skywalker Sound if it hasn't been completed already. So I think we're getting close to having a film locked down and the studio is just looking for the optimal platform to release. And one it. thing we know about the maestro John Williams is that he doesn't go in there, he doesn't score rough cuts. The maestro, the maestro, <laughs> he wants the lockdown film. So we haven't heard, you know, of uh, of him going into the uh, the studios to record at this point, have we? we no, I, I don't. Re- I don't think we've heard any word. Yeah. yeah. There was. I think there was some buzz back in the spring about him going in to record something. Hmm. But uh, not sure. Can't say what it was. Yeah. But uh, I, now, I, I, I have heard he's very particular and yes. only goes in when it's it's done. <laughs> and a guy like that, you don't second guess him. No, you don't no. second guess John. John Williams, by the way, coming to Chicago in April. A listener just tipped me off to. Oh, very cool. So I'm going to look very into cool. some more information about that. That could be another Rebel Force Radio meetup. Well, hey, let's do let's let's check in with our our, our voicemail. I do have um, some more we want to get into, and including a really fascinating uh, piece that was posted at Inverse.com by Ryan Britt, saying, "Hey, since when has the director of a Star Wars movie ever mattered? Why do people care now?" Well, we'll get into that here in just a moment. But first, let's check in with Daniel. He wants to weigh in on this. Hi, my name's Daniel, and I think the latest firing of Colin Trevorrow is just more evidence that there's no guiding vision to these new Star Wars movies. There's no, uh, you know, leadership or, or real plan, and that, that we've heard. And the first person they fired was George Lucas. He was going to be a creative consultant. They fired him because his vision didn't line up with something, but clearly not a concrete vision because here we are. Then they hired J.J. Abrams. Before Star Trek Into Darkness comes out, Star Trek Into Darkness comes out. It's not super well received. There were rumors. I heard. I heard on another podcast. They said that if Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm could fire J.J. Abrams and his team, they would. I heard that back when the movie was in production on another podcast. I won't name. Uh, they couldn't. He was too big. Gareth Edwards seems like a really nice guy. Star Wars fan. Sideline halfway through his own movie. Chris Lord and Miller fired because they're not apparently living up to the vision of, again, what? Who's the guiding vision? Because if there was a guiding vision, how come it was so poorly implemented? Everyone's like, oh, I want them to fire people if they're not, you know, doing a good job. Okay, but the people firing them are the people who hired them. And if they didn't make a good decision to hire these people, why do we think that them firing them and hiring someone else is going to improve something? There needs to be solid creative direction with this series from one sector or another. I wish it was George Lucas, but it needs to be somebody. Maybe it'll be Ryan Johnson if Last Jedi is great and they keep him around. But we need new leadership, and I say vote for Pablo. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Daniel. And a, and a really well-articulated, uh, that might be voicemail of the week right there. It's going to be hard to top Daniel, folks. Um, Jim, I hadn't thought of that. The firings go all the way back and start with George Lucas. Well, you know, in a sense, yes, because George Lucas was promised to fans uh, by Kathleen Kennedy uh, that he would be a creative consultant on the films. And if he received credit for that in The Force Awakens, it was purely honorary because George made a decision to step back when he realized that in his own words, he told this to, uh, I believe he told this to 60 Minutes, um, that he uh, he believed that any of his involvement would just be looked at as interference. And he didn't want to be put in that position. From what we heard behind the scenes, George was, we know George was working with Michael Arndt, the original screenwriter for The Force Awakens. And uh, he was working with him up into and probably even beyond the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney. He had started working with Arndt prior to that. He and Kathleen Kennedy hired Arndt prior to the public sale of Lucasfilm to Disney. So George was working with this guy and um, then Arndt got fired. And uh, sure, a lot of his uh, concepts and ideas did end up in the Force Awakens, and he appropriately got a co-screenwriting credit alongside J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan. When Arndt was let go, Abrams and Kasdan took over all the screenwriting duties, and according to them, they started from scratch, which is not entirely true because, they, like I said, they did use some of Michael Arndt's ideas and uh, possibly even pieces of his script but and and, and some of george's ideas well you would assume it would go back to george right right so george offering his skills as a creative consultant was ready and eager to work on the story with the screenwriters but when that shift happened from arndt to abrams slash kasdan Those two shut themselves off, created the whole script, finished it, and then delivered it to George, who looked at it and said, well, great, what do you need me for? I have nothing to offer to this. You guys have gone ahead without me, and that's fine. I'm stepping back because look how far he sees the script. He sees how far they came, how, how much they've developed, and maybe... George also felt uncomfortable with the direction they were taking it in. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if George received the script for The Force Awakens as prepared by Abrams and Kasdan, complete, probably mm-hmm. with a little post-it on it that said, hey, George, what do you think? <laughs> like, what do I think? Like those JJ tweets. Just the note card. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I, th- I think George looked at it and realized that uh, they didn't need him. And they didn't want him. And he wasn't going to try to pitch his ideas for a Star Wars film. It's a very awkward position for George Lucas to be in, let's face it. Uh, He wants to to have his cake and eat it, too, apparently. But 
the reality of that happening in the Disney era of Star Wars, it just George is smart enough to know that there just wasn't room for him at the table, so he stepped away, and that is that is unfortunate. But um, I mean, really, do you see George playing ball with everyone else? He would veto things people would want to introduce into the saga, and I don't think that a post. Lucas era Star Wars can survive that way. Yeah. You know, um, look, there's a lot of names that are being bandied about as, you know, who fans and, and, and industry industry folks would like to see come in and take over for Colin Trevorrow. Uh, George Lucas is one of those names. I threw it out there. I mean, a number of people have I thought it would be be amazing. Um, there's an article over at Mashable by Chris Taylor, and Chris has got a great piece here about five reasons why George Lucas won't direct Star Wars Episode Nine. Sorry to burst your bubbles. And one reason why he should. But he starts out with this quote that comes from, uh, Jim, an interview that you're very familiar with, the August 1977 Rolling Stone interview. And at this time, he was uh, full of ideas of what he would like to do with with Star Wars. And... At this point, he said, when the question came up about how about more Star Wars movies, he said he'd let friends like Steven Spielberg direct the next ones. He was only interested in directing the closing chapter in the Skywalker saga, which at the time of this interview, he imagined would be nine episodes. Said George, I want to do the last one so I can do one twice as good as everyone else. I love that quote. It's so George. I want to do the last one. So I can do one twice as good as everyone else. So he said back in 1977 that he would do the last one. And so fast forward, how many years later, 40 years later, here we are. Not that this is the last one, but I think most of us can probably assume that this is the last one in the Skywalker saga. So what do you think? Why would... George Lucas, I mean, would we get George Lucas, 72-year-old George Lucas, come back and do episode nine, the last one, and fulfill his own prophecy? Well, according to uh, Chris at Mashable, here's five reasons why that's not going to happen. Number one, he'd have to answer to Kathleen Kennedy. And we know that that's not, that's not George. George doesn't answer to anybody. And he's not going to answer to the person that he hired to run his company. Right. That's for sure. Number two, he doesn't play well with others. Um, you know, despite having uh, chunks of dialogue uh, rewritten by friends of his, um, he insisted on, re- on, on writing THX, and he insisted on writing the script for American Graffiti, um, insisted on writing the script for Star Wars. Again, despite having some brush-ups, uh, by uh, by friends of his, the Hayeks, etc., Lawrence Kasdan. Um, really, it was his stories. They were his stories. Um, number three, he's still mad that Disney dumped his sequel trilogy ideas. There you go. There you go. Um, here's the quote, uh, Jim. You're absolutely right. It was 60 Minutes, and it was an interview with Charlie Rose, they looked at the stories and they said, we want to make something for the fans. So I said, all I wanted to do was tell a story of what happened 
you know, it started here and it went there. And it's all about generations and it's about, you know, the issues of fathers and sons and grandfathers. And it's a family soap opera. I mean, ultimately, I mean, space, we call it space opera, but it, people don't realize it's actually a soap opera. And it's all about family problems and that kind of, it's not about spaceships. So they decided they didn't want to use those stories. They decided they were going to go do their own thing. And so I decided, fine. But basically, I'm not going to try to... They weren't that keen to have me involved anyway. But at the same time, I said, I'm not going to... If I get in there, I'm just going to cause trouble. Because they're not going to do what I want them to do. So, and I don't have the control to do that anymore. And all I would do is muck everything up. So I said, okay, I will go my way and I'll let them go their way. So uh, he's still... He's still a little salty. Number sure. four, he's kind of busy right now. We got the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art. Um, uh, you know, he's going to be, you know, it's not going to be open until 2021. So he's, you know, obviously dealing with all of that. Um, he still wants to be making these uh, little personal films that he talks about. Um, so he's, you know, he's a new dad, uh, relatively speaking. And number five, now this is one is kind of interesting. I'll see what you think about this. He's done with the fans. You remember the uh, comment mm-hmm. where he said, um, uh, he said, he said, why, why would I, why would I want to do, uh, why would I make any more Star Wars movies when everybody yells at you all the time and says what a terrible person you are? Right. He said and, that when he was out promoting uh, Red Tails. Red Tails, right. I mean, look, this is a guy that had to deal with people saying that he raped their childhood. This was really, you know, when I, when I think about it, this is goes back to the beginning of this super nasty, um, evil-tongued talk that is now so common in social media. Raped their childhood. I mean, I can't think of anything more hyperbolic and disgusting than that phrase. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't and I still will never watch that People versus George Lucas movie because I think those were the guys that, that, that sort of coined that term. But here's a guy like George Lucas, kind of, you know, do no evil kind of type guy and people saying rape their childhood. And uh, is that type of behavior? A lot of people say, oh, it's because. You know, he couldn't deal with people criticizing his uh, his prequels. And there may be an element of truth to that. But there, there's criticizing and then there's saying that you raped my childhood. I mean, it just goes above and beyond. So that's it. So those are the top five reasons. Do you think George was really done with fans, Jim? Well, uh, he still appreciates public acknowledgement of both the things he created and the things he supports. Uh, if, if he didn't believe in that, he wouldn't be trying so hard to get that museum built. Yeah. So right, I, I think right. there is still, he still has a public audience that he finds attractive. Yeah. And I, like I said, all you have to do is look at the museum. So, I mean, he's building a monument, essentially, to himself, in a way. Well, that's one way to look at it, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think he, he also is is realizing that he can't take what he has with him. Mm-hmm. So it's important for him to place the things that he treasures and values 
in an area where other people can also treasure and value those things. This is so, his legacy. He's leaving his legacy yes. here. Yes. I believe that is very important to him. And I know that coming back to Star Wars in the late 90s was a challenge for him, but something that he felt like he needed to do. It was unfinished business, and he didn't like leaving it on the table. Yeah. So it was a challenge for him yeah. to create those films. But he was so attracted to – he was attracted to, to several different things. The ability to take the new technology, which he helped fund and develop, and apply it to Star Wars, which at that point technology had always limited his vision, so he wanted to give it a test run. He wanted to take it out and spin the tires a few times. So I, that to me seems very natural in everything. Um, and not fan service at all. Mm. Not fan service at all. George, if you look at it that way, he always did what he wanted to do. He didn't do what other people expected him to do. He didn't do what fans wanted him to do. Well, he made Boba Fett a little kid. He made Anakin a little kid. That was completely contrary to what what you would you know think of fan service in 1999 to be. So despite the fact that he's working on a massive blockbuster, uh, one of the most anticipated films of all time, he still maintained the integrity of an artist and created his personal vision. Frustrating as it might be for fans to accept, frustrating as it might be for the creator to put it out there with all the blood, sweat, and tears and money, and have people, a certain faction of fandom, reject it. And not only reject it, but get very, as you said, hyperbolic about it. Using terminology like raped and all that stuff. And, and, and that stuff is becoming just so commonplace among people who use social media to express their personal thoughts. I mean, the, the hyperbole that goes behind criticism nowadays... Mm. Completely yeah. lacks tolerance, logic, and intelligent thought. It's all a bunch of evil names and and mudslinging. Yeah, and going for the jugular. It's like you just you know there's not it's not enough to make your point. You got to slit someone's throat while you do it. Mm -hmm. um, but he, here's the here's how he wraps this up, and I love the ending here. He says, and yet, despite these reasons why he won't. Here's why he should. As a storyteller like Lucas knows, the idea of a redemption arc is profoundly compelling and that he could secure his legacy and wipe over memories of the prequels that tore fandom apart if he gave us a, uh, episode nine, if he stepped in, did episode nine and gave us a movie as widely loved and critically acclaimed as Force Awakens or Rogue One. Um. He says, and for a guy who made the prequels revolve around a prophecy of bringing balance to the force, there would be no doubt it would be tremendous satisfaction in fulfilling his own prediction from four decades ago that he would direct the last sequel and make it twice as good. Han Solo is dead. Leia Organa, the late Carrie Fisher, will get her swan song in The Last Jedi. The only original trilogy hero likely left for episode nine is Luke Skywalker. And who better to bring his story to completion than the guy who put himself into the character in the first place. Think of it. 
The Last Scenes with Luke S., directed by Lucas. Talk about dropping the mic. Wow. And uh, as I said, George Lucas always was able to maintain his personal integrity and insert it into his art, a.k.a. Star Wars films. And the character of Luke Skywalker, I think a lot of people have analyzed the films and the filmmaker, and they see the character of Luke Skywalker as being an idealized version of, of George Lucas. You know, that's his idealized image of, of who he can be, someone reaching his greatest potential. And he sees it through a fictional character like Luke Skywalker. I mean, look at the name. Luke. It's named after George. Lucas. Luke S. Luke S. Period. Luke S. <laughs> is Luke Skywalker. You know it, and it's also Lucas. Yeah. So um, that I, there, there would be a, a great deal of satisfaction, I think, for both George Lucas and for the audience to have him man that director's chair for episode nine. But I think the odds of that happening are 365. <laughs> Or whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> to, to one. one. Yeah. yeah. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to one. Never tell me the odds. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so, yeah. I, I never I, you know, question George, it till I do it, right? George is done. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to get but back But, you know, I, got, I got, actually got goosebumps when I heard you saying, when you were reminding us about how... The character of Luke Skywalker is an idealized version of George in a lot of ways. And so here you've got this character of Luke Skywalker who's been, you know, marooned, self, uh, uh, you know, imposed prison on this island. And there's the baton, the lightsaber is being held out to him. Is that like is that like Kathleen Kennedy? You know, she Ray and she's holding the, you know, the clapperboard out, you know, asking George with the beard and the hair on the island. And he turns and gives probably a very similar look. Will you come in and will you will you do this for us? Will you come back to Star Wars and secure your legacy? I mean, it would be the most poetic ending <laughs> of a of a story ever of all time and but realistically uh, we certainly don't yeah, believe no, that that's going to happen when george happen. says i'm retired i think he really yeah. firmly means that i don't see him sliding back in no and he's got I his really hands don't. full with those autograph hounds on tmz that are t- <laughs> yeah right he's, <laughs> he's got, still he's trying to get them problems. all jobs he's got big problems <laughs> but uh yeah is as much as romantic as it sounds yeah it's yeah. impossible, and it's not it going to happen. And and you know, I I love. I've seen a lot of fans say, "God, bring back Lucas, bring back Lucas," and I, it, it really warms my heart to see that because yeah. I love the 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 respect to to the man and the legacy. But uh, it's impossible. He's not coming back. Our friend Chris Taylor knows exactly what he's talking about over at Mashable. He's uh, always a well thought writer and uh, someone yeah. who who. Uh, uses a lot of uh, his his own insight to uh, get to the bottom of the situation, and, and I think he's absolutely right. But, uh, you know, there are other names that are being thrown around out there, too. A lot of names. A lot of names. A lot of names. J.J. Uh, Abrams. We, we keep hearing. We've heard that J.J. and Ryan Johnson are both 
heavily being considered to yeah. take that director's share. It's interesting because when Lord and Miller got fired from the Han Solo film, I think it was less than 48 hours when we had confirmation that Ron Howard was going to slide into that directorial seat. Now, of course, a lot of pressure uh, on that decision because the film <laughs> yeah. was in front of the cameras. I mean, there was a shooting <laughs> schedule going on. They right. had to get someone in there right away. Right. In this case, we're, we're dealing with a, a lot of uh, uh, flexible variables here, and um, uh, one of which is the fact that the film has not gone in front of the camera yet. As far as we know, casting is still in its infancy, and if uh, you're going to be casting for a feature film, you're going to want to have the director put his stamp of approval on the actors who are being brought in because that's where the ultimate chemistry gets built when it comes to filmmaking is between the director and his actors. And so that you, you need a guy locked in to, to be there for some casting decisions that need to be made. Also, there's the fact that we have a release date for uh, star Wars episode nine. And I believe that is summer 2019, May 24th, 2019, is the uh, proposed release date for this film. I believe that there's going to be some flexibility with that. (laughs) And we could see, much like with The Force Awakens, Star Wars Episode Nine will be pushed back from its May 24th, 2019 date to December 2019. And I'm yeah. sure a lot of Disney hounds are going to start sending me information about all the Marvel movies and, <laughs> you know, Frozen 3 is going to be released that day. Or they don't want to compete with Avatar. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, uh, realistically speaking, uh, there will be uh, a pushback on Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah, I think so, too. This is a pretty major setback. I mean, they're... Um Jim, I think, you know, it was supposed to be rolling in front of cameras this spring. So uh, early 2018. And here we are almost at the end of 2017. We don't have a script yet. So and we don't have a director. So I would imagine that this is definitely going to set them back. Um, and remember, it was uh, you know going back to uh, Daniel. He was talking about, you know, he had heard that. There was scuttlebutt that had Kathleen Kennedy been able to fire J.J. Abrams, she would have done so. It was J.J. that went and lobbied Disney for an extension on the uh, on the Force Awakens release. So, and I don't think the, uh, the the time period was it was as crunched as it is now in terms of script and all of that. So. Uh, definitely, probably a need to to move the film. Uh, let's go to Chad from Nebraska. He wants to weigh in on this whole Colin Trevorrow thing. Hey guys, this is Chad from Nebraska. Um, regarding the uh, whole Colin Trevorrow mix-up, at this point, I'm not very surprised. I mean, three out of four movies now have had this you know, big thing. This will probably just be the new Disney. Uh, go to. I mean, I mean, so far it's worked out good. Um, gotta say, I am actually very happy about this. I was never actually at all excited, or um, I, I wasn't going to give Colin really a shot, to be honest. You know, after Jurassic World, my opinion of him just kind of 
went down the drain. Um, anyways, I'm hoping that uh, Ryan Johnson will be able to take his place. Uh, of course, presuming that The Last Jedi will be amazing, which it will be. But I say either Ryan Johnson or George Lucas for uh, the final trilogy episode. Hmm. Anyways, uh, thanks for letting me call in. May the Force be with you. All right, Chad. Thanks very much. So here's another vote for George Lucas or... Or Ryan Johnson. I have to say, I'm very, very reluctant to be, get on the Ryan Johnson train. I, I nothing against the guy, um, but it, you know, everybody's like, he needs to stay. Keep Ryan Johnson in there. We don't. We haven't seen the movie, guys. Oh, but he gave me a cold slice of pizza at celebration. <laughs> he's the man. He's but easy. In all honesty, from what I've heard, both publicly and privately from people mm-hmm. who work at Lucasfilm that Ryan Johnson has just been unbelievably open-eared, open-minded, and a, a really great guy to work with. Yeah. Of course, the proof is all in the pudding. We have to see the final film. Right. We have to see it. But uh, I think Ryan was initially brought on to do both 8 and 9, that is correct. And it seemed like his responsibilities kept getting pared down as more was being publicly made available to us. But we had heard that he was directing both 8 and 9 and writing both. Then we heard he was only directing 8 and writing both 8 and 9. And then we heard he was pretty much solely concentrating on 8. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that to me was always an odd switch, um, a, a kind of different... Uh, uh, a change of pace for what he was originally brought on to do. I looked back at a tweet of Ryan's and I did retweet it from uh, July. And he uh, said, uh, boy, I would do another star Wars film in a minute. This has been great. Something along those lines. So I retweeted that like, Hey, you know, maybe there he you will, go. Yeah. but uh, you know, it just seems like he's already in house. He already understands the system and he's the guy that's creating the whole foundation for the film with episode eight. Yeah. So it just seems like he would be the guy. And if they bring him on, if they bring on Ryan Johnson to direct Ep Nine, they will definitely push back the release date of that to at least December 2019 because he's going to need the time. Mm. There's no doubt about it. This film will not go in front of the cameras. In spring. Now, why do you say that he would need more time than someone else? Because he has commitments to episode eight that mm-hmm. I think will make it very difficult for him to shift in the springtime to a situation where he is prepared enough to have the film getting shot. You know, I, I think the whole shooting schedule is going to be pushed back. Hmm. Yeah. And since there has yet to be a shooting schedule set in concrete, it's easy to do. Yeah. You know, I go back to what what Daniel said uh, in his voicemail where he he brought up two interesting points. One that we've talked about quite a bit on here is where's this vision? (laughs) Where's this vision coming from? And what is the vision? I think we know that the vision is coming from Kathleen Kennedy. But but what is the vision? Uh, number one, and two, he brings up a really great point when he says, how can we trust the, the, that the firings 
are any better informed and any better of any better of a decision than the hirings. They're the same people that hired him that's doing the firing. Mm-hmm. And it's an it and it's an interesting and I think uh compelling question. Well, I think that all just points to the fact that there has been an absolute definite shift in the philosophy of how they're going to create these films. They Lucasfilm. Yeah. They yeah. wanted to go into an experimental direction. And I think the more they're getting to know Star Wars and expectations of moviegoers and hardcore fandom, they're realizing that if they go too off the rails, it's going to sink like the Titanic. How do you feel? Do you want to see a Star Wars comedy that has Han Solo acting like Ace Ventura pet detective at times? (laughs) Do you want to see that? No. I mean, sure, we don't want to see Star Wars get stagnant and stale, and keep repeating the same things over and over again. But, number one, the philosophy of being experimental with Star Wars, right out of the gate, is inappropriate to begin with. Number two, we're dealing with a case of too much too fast. Disney slash Lucasfilm slash Kathleen Kennedy slash Bob Iger slash them all. They are realizing it's not so freaking easy to make a Star Wars film. This is serious stuff, man. Yeah. So they need to give it the reverence it deserves, the amount of development, pre-production, research, and an appropriate time to vet out the right talent to put in there to make good Star Wars. And by the way, I have Kyle Newman and Dave Filoni's cell phone number. And if Kathleen Kennedy wants it, I'd be more than happy to pass it along. <laughs> there you go. Well, here, let's get into this here real quick. Um, before we get our friends uh, on, the, uh, uh, on the show from the Mission to Zix, this is uh, an article from Inverse. I mentioned it before by Ryan Britt. So, Jim, the headline, directors of Star Wars movies probably don't matter in the end. He said, here's the thing. It really doesn't matter all that much who directs any given Star Wars movie. Fans think it does, but generally speaking, a Star Wars movie is far bigger than its director, even if that person is George Lucas. He breaks it down very interestingly. He says, if you count the Han Solo movie, The Last Jedi, Episode Nine, and the yet-to-be-revealed anthology film, which is probably about Obi-Wan Kenobi, there are 12 Star Wars movies that we know about. Of those films... Four directed by George Lucas, which means if you're watching a Star Wars movie between now and 2021, there's a 33% chance he was the director. But if we're getting real, the only two Star Wars films that fans don't have any complaints about are the original 1977 film, A New Hope, and The Empire Strikes Back. Broadly speaking, literally all the other Star Wars movies, including the ones that haven't come out, have some points of contention amongst fans. From the prequels to The Force Awakens to behind-the-scenes kerfluffles on the Han Solo movie, and now Episode Nine, Star Wars fans have negative opinions about every single Star Wars movie except for Empire and Episode Four. So if you're watching any given Star Wars movie, counting the four that haven't come out, there's a 16% chance you don't have a problem with it. 
we'll leave aside special edition changes because if we don't, then Star Wars fans have a 0% chance of being satisfied with any Star Wars movie, which is crazy considering how popular these movies are. That's his thesis. But he goes into uh, talking about um, the fact that, okay, take Empire Strikes Back, Irvin Kirshner, right? The Kirsch. He said, but he directed the embarrassing Sean Connery knockoff Bond movie, Never Say Never Again, and also helmed the totally whack RoboCop 2. And obviously his choices in Empire matter, but it's not like he could turn bad scripts into gold by just being a hard ass on the set. If that was true, we'd list Never Say Never Again and RoboCop 2 among his other triumphs. But we don't, and we can't. So what he's saying is that whether it be Richard Marquand, whether it be Irvin Kirshner, whether it be Gareth Edwards, whatever it be. What matters to Star Wars fans is the story. And here's where it gets really fascinating. Few would disagree that the prequels caused a rift, a division in, in, in fandom. And a lot of fans dislike the prequels. But yet, what's everybody saying about the new Obi-Wan Kenobi movie? It's got to be Ewan. <laughs> And what did people applaud in Rogue One but Jimmy Smits sauntering into the Rebel War Room? Even though those movies are derided by fans, it proves one thing. Star Wars fans love continuity. Yep. They love canon yes. more than good taste. More to the point, Star Wars fans generally value the basic storyline over literally everything else, even if they don't make sense or if it's confusing. We value the events in the story, even if we disagree with those events fundamentally. So what he's saying is it doesn't matter who directs these movies. They essentially, like Bond movies, direct themselves. It's the story, the story, the story, the story. Boy, I have a hard time finding any opposition to that notion. Well, we all know that there are several elements that make up a great film. It's more than just a good story or continuity or canon. I mean, if Han Mar or if, if if Mark Harrison and Carrie had no chemistry, that that would have been a, a massive roadblock in the success of. A new hope. If if John Dykstra's brilliant and and groundbreaking special effects looked like a bunch of models on strings, that really would have hurt the success <laughs> yeah. of the initial success of Star Wars. There are many different variables, many different pieces of the pie. But I do agree with the fact that story, story, story is most important. You know, he even says that Rogue One's success can partially be attributed to the fact that it came from the visual effects department first. He says, this point is the director of a Star Wars movie rarely seems to be the nexus of why the movie is good or perceived to be good. More often than not, fans tend to do the opposite. They use the directors, like a Lucas or an Abrams, to point out why the movies are bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like how he uses Rogue One as an example and says that the story came from the visual department first. We all know John Knoll, ILM genius, was the guy to approach Kathleen Kennedy with the whole story for uh, Rogue One. So, uh, yeah, obviously there was a lot of uh, development going on in that visual effects department. 
long prior to a director or even a script being developed. They were just working off concepts and ideas. And that's the way George Lucas used to do it back in the old days was he would just present concepts and ideas to his art staff and then they would run with it as opposed to giving them a script and saying, show me what this is. You know, he mm-hmm. would present them with ideas and a lot of times the ideas the art department would present to George Lucas would then motivate some of the story. So it was a really organic back and forth process. And uh, maybe maybe development of Star Wars films has lost that a little bit. Maybe that's getting lost in the mix a little bit. Yeah. And that's because they, they I think the reliance on singular creatives like Orion Johnson to come in and pick up the ball from where J.J. Abrams left it and run with it without any direction, without any sort of thought out beginning, middle and end mm. for the trilogy. Mm-hmm. That's what leads us in all these unpredictable areas and why... You know, the the creative chemistry isn't there between the studio and the filmmakers. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. no game plan. No. You know, he uses um, a Bond as an example here. He said, you know, Sam Mendes won an Oscar in 2000 for American Beauty. And he had directed the Bond movie Skyfall in 2012. And people loved it. And they complimented him and how great it looked. But then they put him in charge of Spectre. And it falls flat. So it's the same director. Same director. You got one movie that's, that's, that's considered maybe one of the greatest, if not the greatest Bond films of all time. And then you got another one that's completely forgettable. And it's the same director. So he's, you know, he's really calling into question with these big movies. When you, when you don't have that auteur director model in place. When it's not the, and he uses another analogy, the singer-songwriter version of the director. Uh, he's saying that when you got a movie like a Bond film or a Star Wars movie, the director doesn't matter at all. It's about the mechanics. And I was mentioning on RFR Rush Hour, I don't think the issue has ever been with Colin Trevorrow. Um, I don't think this, this decision had anything to do with his abilities, uh, his mechanical abilities as a director as much as it has to do with the fact they can't get this script locked down. Mm. So enter Jack Thorne. Will Jack Thorne be the guy? Will he be the Irvin Kirshner of episode nine, where if the film is, comes out, it is a big success. Will people say, well, thank goodness Jack Thorne got involved when he did. Mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder how much of the Colin Trevorrow developed storyline and script is actually going to be maintained throughout the remainder of the creative process and the introduction of a new director and another another accomplice to the, the to Jack Thorne. I'm sure the director will have some solid say in the, where the the screenplay goes. Uh, you know, and that's another thing that's been going on too with the Star Wars franchise is bringing in directors who have these screenwriting partners with them. They've worked mm. their whole careers with, you know, these guys have these partners, you know, JJ Abrams, he brought in his whole production company, bad robot. So it might, again, I really think we're dealing with a case of too much too fast with the star Wars franchise. The realization that star Wars films aren't as easy to make as 
like a Marvel film, perhaps. No knock on Marvel films. I love them all. And, and those are well thought out and, and oftentimes amazing movie experiences. But, I mean, we all know. Everyone knows listening to this show that there's something special about Star Wars. And maybe that code isn't as easy to crack as Lucasfilm slash Disney thought it would be. And they can't churn them out like they wanted to. They need to step back and take some more time with this stuff. They really do. Star Wars is special. It deserves special treatment. And maybe this, the, the shareholders will voice their displeasure with it. But I don't think so. When Disney is cranking out things like Frozen and whatever else they got, you know, yeah. a, a Mary Poppins sequel for crying out loud. Give Star Wars some breathing room. Mm. Cool. Corporate goons, <laughs> because that's well, what it comes down to, isn't it? It, it? it is. If we were to look at this in terms of uh, you know Vegas odds, Jim, we've got. If we looked at the top three likely uh, artists to come in and fill the director's seat vacated by Colin Trevorrow, we would have to include Joe Johnston. And that goes back to. Um, knee numbs, <laughs> numbs uh, prediction yeah. from a couple months ago. But Joe Johnson, uh, you know, director of Captain America, first Avenger, director of uh, Rocketeer, director of uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, what, what am I missing here? Um, in, in recent time, we, we ran down his uh, resume uh, back on uh, Rush Hour earlier this week. Uh, but he, he's up there in uh, his social media accounts have you know inexplicably uh, dried up and have disappeared does that mean that uh you know that he's being schooled and prepped for stepping back into the galaxy far far away so you got him there you've got jj abrams and you have ryan johnson jim if you had to put them in order of what you think from most likely to least likely how would you rank them ryan johnson is my uh He's my number one pick. He's my odds-on favorite. I think it would just be uh, uh, convenience, uh, the fact that he's had a good experience working with Lucasfilm, and uh, the fact that he's already setting the table for Episode Nine to begin with. I, th I think he's, he's your most likely choice. Bringing back J.J. Abrams, I was honestly surprised that J.J. wasn't directing the entire trilogy. I thought when he had signed on, he would be there from 7 to 9. I really felt that way. Could he return? I don't know. J.J. Abrams seems more like a table setter than... Um, yeah. The guy who cleans it all up at the end. No, uh, he's not He's not bussing anybody's tables. No, no, yeah. he's not. And, and we know that he has, you know, plenty of projects on the horizon. Steven Spielberg gets brought up from time to time. Yeah. Uh, yep. he, he could be a, an a, attractive pick. Uh, after Ready Player One, there is the Indiana Jones film next on the horizon. That has been pushed back a year to 2020 does that give a guy like steven spielberg the right amount of time to nurture this story and and shoot it and everything i mean this is a big movie this is wrapping up 
the the sequel trilogy and potentially wrapping up the Skywalker saga. We don't know if there's any plans for episodes 10 through 12. Do you think that, that the close personal relationship between Steven Spielberg and George Lucas is is that is that a a a plus or a minus in terms of the 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 probability of him taking it over do you think that's something do you think that that relationship would cause spielberg to not go in and do it or would he go in and do it and he'd say guess what i'm bringing george along with me george is going to be my co-writer on this thing <laughs> well now if he made that sort of statement i i would put spielberg at the bottom of the list <laughs> Because George, you know, his white slaver's comment, I think, still sort of stings uh, some people over there at yeah, Disney. Yeah, I bet. Spielberg would be attracted. Does he come in with some baggage? Yes, he does. Um, you're right. Friendship with George Lucas, being a longtime collaborator of his, somebody who goes back to USC with George Lucas. Um, that that has it's both detrimental and it it, it has its positives too. But look he at is, Ron Howard. You know, is, Ron yes, Howard is a cur- well, is a friend of George's. He is. He is. But more of a second generation yeah. <laughs> to those yeah. you know initial filmmakers. You know, uh, George hired Ron to to work on American Graffiti. He was an actor under George's. Um, George's wing and uh, went off to have his own great career and and somebody that we know George has confided in in the past. Um, Ron has been brought in to save the day on the Han Solo film. Maybe enough time has passed where Spielberg could consider actually doing a Star Wars film. I think there were indications that he wanted to do Return of the Jedi. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But there was the whole falling out that Lucasfilm had with the Directors Guild. Right. And I think that's what ruined everything as far as having Steven Spielberg direct one of the films of the original trilogy. But now this could be looked at as a time to make good on it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there have been a couple of films released under the new Disney slash Lucasfilm banner. Uh, Steven isn't the guy like J.J. was, not necessarily, but could he slide in and direct episode three? I personally think it would be cool to see, but I don't know how necessary it is. Let's face it, I think we've all wanted to see Steven Spielberg direct a Star Wars film. I've wanted to yeah. see Steven Spielberg direct a James Bond film. And that <laughs> yeah, hasn't I mean, happened. Too. You know? yeah, right. And I know, and I think Spielberg would be really <laughs> down with that, but it just yeah. never happened. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all kind of political things and stuff that come into play too. And, yeah. uh, and also, you know, Steven is getting older, mm-hmm. you know, much like George, George thought it was a big burden to to tackle the prequel trilogy, it was hard on him. He knew ten it was years of his life. A, yeah, he knew it was going to take a lot of his life. Now I know that the filmmaking process, as far as Star Wars films, has become much more streamlined since George's. You know, three yeah, well, obviously years in they're them. cranking out one a year, right? Again, too much, too fast. I think. But uh, so Spielberg, um, I think he's he's a long shot at this point. Um, uh, J.J. Abrams returning. I, I don't see that happening. And Joe Johnston, I would love to see it. We saw Kevin Smith do a, an evening with Kevin Smith at Star Wars Celebration 6, and he proposed the idea of having Joe Johnston come back to helm a Boba Fett standalone film. And this was before 
the sale of Lucasfilm. This was before any like kernel of an idea it was coming up about doing standalone films, anthology films, a Star Wars story films. I mean, none of that was on anyone's radar. And here's Kevin Smith up there lobbying for Joe Johnston to direct a Boba Fett standalone film. That would have been great, but I don't know. I, I don't know if uh, it would be possible for Joe. I would like to see Joe direct a Star Wars film myself just because of the legacy. He was there from day one. He was working with ILM on A New Hope. He'd done so much to develop a lot of the aesthetic we see in the films. But uh, I, I I can't help but think Ryan Johnson is going to be the guy. Yeah. The bird in the hand. Right. Right. So do we have any more uh, voicemail? Maybe we could do one more voicemail. Yeah, let's do that. Let's see. Who do we have next? Let's go to Aaron from Florida. Hey, guys. Um, <clears throat> it's Aaron from Florida. Long time listener. Um, so about this news, honestly... I'm not that broken up about it. Once, I feel like once the sad passing of Carrie Fisher happened, that the outline of episode nine was completely in disillusion. No, they didn't even know what to do because the whole big part of the story was going to be focused around her. So, honestly, it isn't the worst news in my opinion. My my thing is that I think the only director that should direct episode 9 would be Ryan Johnson. I think that he took up the middle slot and he should take up the last slot and just finish it up all nice and together. You know, not not like J.J. and Kazan just making the first one and then Ryan just putting in a little thing so it can connect to the next one. Like, I think Ryan would be the best pick for episode 9. But I'm up for, you know, somebody on equal level of a J.J. or Ryan. Um, but, yeah, those are my thoughts on the whole news. Not the biggest, you know, like it is big news, but it didn't affect me as much as <laughs> I thought it would. All right. Well, hope you guys it didn't affect me. Yeah, Aaron from uh, Florida, he's, you know... And I'll talk to you later. Oh, Aaron, later. And, 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 yeah, and you know what? Uh, just uh, Aaron being from uh, Florida just reminded me, uh, you know, we like to keep things in a galaxy far, far away, but there's real things happening, and uh, we know we've got a lot of listeners in Texas. We've got a lot of listeners in, in Florida and all over the uh, southern part of the United States and on the coasts, and uh, we just want you to know that we're our, our thoughts and prayers and... Uh, sending good vibes, as Jimmy Max says, through the force uh, to all of you. And uh, please um, be careful out there. And, um, you know, we all want to be together for uh, episode eight Absolutely. in December. So Absolutely. take care of yourself. Yeah, thoughts and prayers, especially everyone in Texas, too. Um, and and I, I recommend that uh, people listening to the show, uh, perhaps if they want to make a difference, visit redcross.org slash disaster dash relief slash hurricane. And uh, or just go to redcross.org and you'll be able to uh, make a financial gift and help out people who have been affected by Hurricane Harvey in Texas. And uh, yeah, those are who are uh, uh, bracing for the worst in Florida. So uh, yeah. may the force be with all of you guys out there and be safe for sure.
You know it, you love it. From Tops comes the digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. Yes, collect and trade over 1,000 officially licensed Star Wars digital cards. All of your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from the Star Wars universe are here, including replicas of those amazing and iconic original 1977 top Star Wars trading cards to futuristic all-new cards with exciting digital twists. And of course, you can find exclusive content from the all-time U.S. box office champ, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Download it today in the App Store or in Google Play. And of course, we're using the Star Wars Card Trader app here at Rebel Force Radio. You can always trade with us here 24-7, 365 days a year. Just search username Rebel Force Radio and do it all from the comfort of your mobile device. It's the Tops Star Wars Card Trader app. These are the cards you're looking for. Joining us now from Audio Boom's Mission to Zix, an improvised science fiction podcast, is Alden Ford. Alden, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I listened to the episode, the first episode. I was lucky enough oh, to great. get a, a little preview of it. And I, oh, I got to yeah. say, I really enjoyed it the first time I listened to it. The second, oh, great. Thanks. The second time I listened to it, I fell in love with it. Oh, <laughs> great. Oh, that's great to hear. You know, to me, it sort of fits into the tradition of a science fiction parody like Futurama. It really, sure. it really kind of hits the nail on the head for me if I'm going to make any sort of comparison to something that, yeah. that already exists. But, I mean, this is, is better because it's an audio podcast. So you, yeah. can, you can create the imagery in your, your head uh, on, yeah. uh, on your own. And it's improvised, which is even cooler because, to me, comedy improvisation is like, it's like magic. It's like tapping into the, <laughs> into the force. Uh, really. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I mean, I've seen yeah. things on stage. I'm in Chicago, so I've gone to places yeah. like Second City and, um, and uh, the Improv Olympics to the uh, I.O. And uh, I've seen just incredible things happen on stage, and I, I can't explain it sometimes. So uh, tell, <laughs> tell us, obviously you have a background in improvisation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, all six of us, there are sort of six co-creators who – play um sort of the main cast and each episode we have a a guest uh, besides the pilot obviously which you you heard is just the six of us and um we all came up together at the ucb in uh new york um and so we've known each other for years and some of us have played on teams together for a long time others were just friends from around the comedy community and so we uh you know we've all been involved in the comedy uh world here for you know 10 12 years most of us um so it's something that we've you know this has kind of been a long time coming because we've always a lot of us have talked about starting a project together and something that we could do that we couldn't do in a live performance. Um, and so doing a podcast is like a perfect choice because it allows us to do a lot of stuff, you know, like you heard with sound design and music and and, uh, you know, vocal filters and stuff that really lights up people's imaginations in a way that, you know, you can't really do in a live performance. Oh, absolutely. It does. And now with Audio Boom offering original programming, you guys have a great venue for this. So how did you come up with the idea or your crew? I, I don't know if the idea yeah. is to, you know, solely yours, but uh, why the idea to tap into science fiction? Why do you think that there's such good um, uh, possibilities for improv within that realm? Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a couple of things. I mean, one is that all, of, all six of us are huge sci-fi fans. Um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, especially uh, me and Winston, uh, another member of the cast. And so having something set in that kind of space opera world, 
uh, is just such a great, uh, you know, door to open for us because we just the thing that I love so much about Star Wars is that everything that exists on screen implies a thousand things off screen that you that you just have to imagine and like you know want to you want to dig into that world and see more and more uh, of what the galaxy has to offer you know and I think that there's something about doing a a radio show where you know we're allowed to point towards things with um, you know sound design and and uh, and all of the you know sort of editing choices we make that really are a shortcut into people's imaginations, especially if you're a sci-fi fan, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. Um, you know, you, we have that shorthand with our listeners out of the gate without them hearing anything. You know, we have a blaster noise and they know what that's like. We have a, you know, we have um, a character in, in later episodes that's a, a Clint, which stands for cloned light infantry nomadic trooper. He's basically every, every stormtrooper in the, in the, in the galaxy, and we've got that perfect vocal filter that ex- that sounds exactly like a stormtrooper. So you don't have to, uh, you're you're automatically right there in your head when you listen to it, and you don't have to wonder about what the characters are doing or what they look like. And so for me, sci-fi was the obvious choice, just because it's such a fun uh, world, and I'm so steeped in that. Um, but also, I think for the content, it's just you know, sky's the limit. We're not we're not tethered to any uh, sort of worldly stuff. We can we can describe things exactly as they exist in our head. And it'll be in the heads of our listeners as well. And I hear obvious Star Wars influences in the yeah. first episode. Uh, yeah. you, I mean, just just at the foundation of the story, you have an evil galactic empire or monarchy. Right. <laughs> and and right. then you have a rebellion against it. And you have these space ambassadors going out there trying to find peace in the galaxy and promote peace right. and everything. So they kind of remind me of Jedi Knights. But it also reminds me a little bit of Star Trek and their mission of exploration and all that. Sure. But, but uh, nonstop wackiness uh, ensues. You have, uh, <laughs> you have a protocol droid who is not, mm-hmm. not fussy like 3PO at all. Right. Uh, and, um, and and so you you take note of these obvious Star Wars connections throughout, but right. it also serves a, a wider sci-fi audience. So it's yeah, it's not just like a Star Wars parody, but you guys are, are covering a lot of different bases. Yeah, we wanted to open as many doors as we could. We definitely didn't want to make it a general, you know, a, a generalized science fiction, just open-ended world. We wanted to make you know specific choices that felt it that made it feel like its own world. Um, but uh, Star Wars was definitely the jumping off point. But we wanted to make sure we had some other stuff folded in there so that, you know, one of the ways that our shows wor- show works is that a, a, a guest will choose a character to play on the show. So they'll come to us with character pitches, and we won't know what will happen in the episode, but they'll come, up, come to us with a character idea. Like, um, you know, a guy we uh, did a couple of weeks ago, Zach Cherry, he was a bounty hunter, and he, we sort of, uh, we were there to meet someone, and we got intercepted by this bounty hunter who had a um, who was uh, going to kill him, and uh, so we get to uh, we get to explore the bounty hunter world and how the rules of that work in this galaxy, and so you know um, we're definitely trying to, but we also have episodes that sort of have a more Star Trek feel, like you said, where you know there'll be a whole planet of uh, of people at civil war, and we have to figure out what their deal is, and um, so we wanted to open as many doors as possible to all the different tropes that you know all of us love, whether it's you know, Battlestar or uh, Star Wars or Star Trek or, you know, even, you know, sci-fi novels like Hyperion and stuff like that where where people are going to be really excited to, um, you know, hit those tropes uh, Mm -hmm. and create a whole new world with them. 
Wow, and, and your timing's real good, too, because it seems like applying comedy to sci-fi is really getting trendy now with Seth MacFarlane's The Orville, which right. is going to debut on Fox, and then you have yep. Galaxy Quest. That's being spun off into a series. Mm-hmm. So it just seems like the time is right for something like this. Tell us a little bit yeah. about... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, have you, is, did that cross your mind at all when you were uh, creating yeah, this? Yeah, I mean... A- a little bit. I mean, I'm one of those guys, and I'm sure you can relate. Uh, I was never not into Star Wars. It wasn't just the last few years that has reinvigorated my love for it. But there is something, you know, I think that people are gravitating a little bit towards genre comedy in the last few years in a way that they haven't in the comedy space. I mean, you look at Rick and Morty, which is like, you know, such a great sci-fi show in addition to being a great comedy. And it's because, you know, people are moving away from that kind of... Um, kind of empty uh, comedian-based comedy that you saw a lot in the last 10 or 15 years and moving into the kind of hyper-specific, like we're going to live in this world and live in it hard. So I don't know that we were trying, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say we were trying to capitalize on that trend, really. It was just something that felt like we could really, um, you know, that was something that's always interested us. And so I think we just kind of right place, right time in some ways. So your Star Wars fandom, which you uh, you're, mm. you're you're saying it loud and saying it proud, and, and you're you're doing <laughs> so, uh, you're you're preaching to the the choir. Um, yeah. But tell us a little bit about your fandom. Uh, did you grow up with the original trilogy, the prequels, somewhere in between? Yeah, I grew up with the original uh, original non specialized uh, trilogy. I actually was thinking on the way over here about. Uh, I used to have the picture disc, the LP of the uh, Return of the Jedi with uh, Luke and his green saber on one side and Wicked on the other side. And it was a 45-minute, you know, audio cut down of that movie. And uh, I just listened. I listened to it till it fell apart. Um, (laughs) And uh, the VHSs and all that stuff. So I'm I'm really I love that old school stuff. I think I think having, um, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that that's being reinvigorated now with the new trilogy and stuff. And it's great to see the stuff that connects to the things that really light me up about, about that. And it's great to see, you know, new fans coming in and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a pretty exciting time to be a star Wars fan for sure. Oh, no question about it. Uh, did, did you ever collect any of the action figures or, uh, anything? Uh, like you that? know, I, I did, I had a whole, uh, I had a plastic Darth Vader head full of those little, mm-hmm. you know, six inch, uh, characters, um, and, uh, man, I think about how much those are, that, those would be worth now if I'd taken care of them, but man, I, th- I don't think half of them have arms or heads anymore. Oh, they still exist um, though. You can still, you can still find them maybe at your mom's oh, house or somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have the vinyl Cape Lando and the, uh, I think there's a, there's a marble stuck inside of R2D2's, uh, uh, base there. Yeah. I've seen I that. Was not, I was not kind to those toys. I've seen the marble in R2. And oh, it's really? always like, you know, what do we do? Call it like a droid proctologist to help him out here with this. Yeah. It's like yeah. passing a kidney stone. Maybe. I don't know. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, now I've kind of moved into the, uh, the more tedious, uh, tedious fandom. I actually built a Graflex saber last year Ooh. and, uh, and, a um, a new hope, uh, a DL 44 as well. Um, with some parts I got on eBay and stuff. So, I'm definitely still deep in it, um, which, uh, which is great. And also, uh, you know, I, my claim to fame now is that I have the first last name and the first, first name of, uh, of a person, of two people playing Han Solo. So oh my God. If, that's as close as, if that's as close as I get, I'll probably have to take it. Alden, as in Aaron Wright, and <laughs> right. Ford, as in Harrison. <laughs> no relation on either side, unfortunately, but uh, that's still, I'll, I'm, I'm fine with it. It still might get you a table at a restaurant or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, good.
That's that's amazing. That's amazing. So looking forward to the Han Solo film. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think I probably have some of the same uh, same concerns as you guys, but uh, you know, I, I like what kind of concerns do you have? Well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stuff behind the scenes going on with the with the new director and uh, and stuff, but it's like Ron Howard's great, you know, yep. and, and I think I'll be interested to see how they how they managed. To you know, um, combine those the, the footage. I'm, I'm interested to see how much of the original footage they keep. Um, but man, I mean, how do you beat Donald Glover and you know uh, Woody Harrelson? And like, man, it's just gonna be it's gonna be fun no matter what. And like for me, I, I tend not to be too precious about that stuff. I'm just happy that there's more Star Wars. And like, I love to nitpick pick nits as much as I like to geek out about stuff. So whether I'm happy with it or not, it's gonna be a lot of conversation. So. I'm, I'm good with that. Well, you're someone who is applying comedy to science fiction. And we've heard a lot from behind the scenes at the Han Solo film that under the directorial uh, guidance of Lord and Miller, that it yeah. was going really toward a comedy zone, uh, almost like yeah. slapsticky, like Jim Carrey type stuff. I mean, would you accept right. a Han Solo who would be acting that way? I mean, you know, it's interesting because I think, you know, I, I, I think people's concerns may have been valid because it's like that was the problem that Harrison Ford had with Return of the Jedi, right? Was that he was that Han Solo was getting a little too broad for him and he felt like he shouldn't have even survived that long. Um, and, you know, I I understand that. But it's like I um, first of all, I really like Lord and Miller. I think they do really good work. I, I would have been interested to see what they would have done. I mean, it's sort of like Deadpool. Uh, uh, sorry. Um the uh, uh, Ant-Man, like what would Edgar Wright's Ant-Man have looked like, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's a fun question to think about and it's a fun, uh, you know, thing to, to wonder, wonder on. But like, I, I do think, you know, at a certain point, right, you have to, you have to say like, this is, this is Han Solo and this is not. And I think, you know, especially when you've got the Kasdans writing the script, you want to have, you want to have some sort of adherence to what their vision is. And, you know, if it got too far away, maybe that was what the, that was what the issue was. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to put some comedy in Star Wars. I think there's plenty of it in the original trilogy. I think there's plenty of it in the new trilogy. Um, you know, there's certainly plenty of it in the, in the animated series as well. Um, but it's just a matter of where that line is, where it stops being, where it stops making the, the galaxy more compelling and stops making it more... Uh, real mm-hmm. and and starts making it uh, you know something that is starts being kind of flimsy or starts feeling like it's coming apart a little bit and maybe that's what they ran into I mean that that's one of the things that on our show uh, not to bring it back on that but like you know I our our brass ring for this is something that is that holds together and is interesting and you know uh, and is as compelling for sci-fi people as it is for comedy people. And um, I don't know how possible it is because it's improvised and, you know, we've got a bunch of different influences coming in. And, you know, I, I would love for a season in, two or three seasons in, for people to be like, this really paints a picture of a galaxy that makes sense, even though on an episode-to-episode level it doesn't. Um, or it's silly or it's crazy, you know. But I think with uh, with something like the Han Solo film, yeah, I mean, that's it's sacred territory. Yes. So it's, it's hard, for me to, uh, hard for me to disagree too hard with people who want it to be a little more... Uh, you know, to follow the the book a little bit harder on that. Mm-hmm. I think people just want consistency. They want the right. movies to all fit together. And yeah. uh, I, but I, I, I just worry about. I, I'd hate to see 
the Star Wars universe get pigeonholed, but I, I do think that there are certain standards that need to be applied to each and every film. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think I think there's like a, you know, I think that's the question. At least I've been asking, and I think you guys have been asking this as well. Is that like, you know, with things changing hands and going away from from George Lucas, mm-hmm. the question is like, what is what is uh, you know what does consistency look like? You know, and like what do obviously these are ideas that George Lucas didn't come up with um, on some level, and it's like you guys were saying a couple weeks ago, like we want to know there's a plan. It almost doesn't matter if the plan is what our plan would be or not. Mm-hmm. It's just knowing that it's going somewhere. <laughs> and, and, and I think you're right. And it's like, you know, if, if that is the, if that is the, you know, the, the, the bellwether for these new films and it feels like, um, you know, however we get there, we get to a place that we really feel good about. Um, and it feels like it was the, the plan going in then I'm okay with it. You know, it can be funny or it can be improvised or it can be, you know, totally off the rails as long as it gets back to a place where we felt like they, they knew what they were doing going in. And maybe that's, maybe that's the problem with, uh, you know, maybe that, that was sort of what spurred, you know, changing hands on, on the solo movie. Um, but who can say? I mean, I, I think that comedy is definitely, I'm all for it in Star Wars as long as it feels like, you know, we can go, and watch the original trilogy or even, you know, Force Awakens and be like, this is the same Han Solo right. uh, that we saw at 26, you know, uh, crashing the Millennium Falcon into a cliff or something like that. You know? Yes, yes. Yeah, I agree. You know, what's what's interesting is I, I remember taking my wife to see the special editions when they came out in 97. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, long time married guy. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But she, she commented when we were leaving the theater, she goes, gosh, I, I, I kind of forgot or didn't realize how funny these films are. And so when she yeah. got put into an environment where, you know, she was around other people and, and we're in an audience and feeding off that energy, she was finding it to be funnier than she remembered. Yeah. Seems like Chewbacca in the trash compactor or running away from that trash compactor monster, et cetera. The bickering between yeah. Han and, and Leia and three people. Oh yeah. So I think the the first, uh, yeah, I mean it, Han shooting the, the communicator in the prison bay is like one of the funniest moments in the whole. And that was, you know, that's what 45 minutes into the first movie, you know? Yeah. So it's always been there. It's, it's um, humor without being slapsticky. And that's what right. I think people fear the most is a right. Star Wars that goes into a slapstick area. I mean, because we've seen it already. We saw it with right. Jar Jar Binks. That was slapstick right. humor. And, right. and a lot yeah. of people were, were repelled by it. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a kind word, I think, depending on who you ask. Repelled. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah. I sometimes am, have been accused of being a Jar Jar Binks apologist. So... <laughs> Just to you know, fill you in with a little background there, but uh... sure, sure, yeah, no, that's fine. I, I've I've been there too. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think that there's a, um, I I, th- I agree because there's a certain point that there's a line you cross where it stops, it stops taking itself seriously, and, and there's a there's another line I think which is even a, a worse line to cross where you're not um, you're not giving you know you're 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 abandoning the love and respect people have for these characters yes. in this world you know and, th- and that's one of the things that is kind of interesting about and that's sort of one of the reasons why this show that we started we wanted it to be its own show cuz once you do a, a you know a parody of of a specific uh franchise 
then you're you're undercutting the fandom that you're hoping to speak to a little bit. And uh, you know, we want to make sure that we we're living by our own rules and we're respecting those own rules, but we're at a place where we can make those jokes about other properties. And, you know, it's like, I think that's what, like you said, I think that's what Futurama does so well yes. is that it, it takes every opportunity to poke fun at, at these tropes that we all know from all these different properties. But, um, it's, it's also living by its own, uh, internal logic, which makes you love those characters as much as you love the characters from any other, other franchise, which is really, uh, which is a really delicate line to walk. I mean, I think, <laughs> With with an improvised audio only show, we we have a lot more uh, work ahead of us for that. But um, I hope it's also goofy and funny and crazy enough that people stick with it until they start to see that stuff kind of start to gel. Well, I certainly enjoyed it, and I like the characters a lot too. So well, thank you. Yeah, they're 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 very likable. So uh, mission to Zix on audioboom.com. You guys have a, a landing page mission to Zix space. And, yep, uh, yep. Can, I didn't know that was a thing, but we got it, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> so uh, you, can, uh, you can look for uh, probably a lot of activity there starting on September 6th. It's Mission to Zix, an improvised science fiction podcast launching in September. Hey, before I let you go, let, let's talk about your character real quick. Um, the yeah. ambassador, um, mm-hmm. he, he's uh, working on behalf of the Federated Alliance. Uh, yep. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so uh, my character is Ambassador Plek Dexetter, which I thought was a, an appropriately uh, galaxy far, far away name. Um, maybe a little dumber than anything you'd hear in Star Wars, but I, <laughs> I liked the I like the cadence of it. Um, he's a he's a farm boy from a farm planet uh, called Rangus Six, um, which is just all farmland, um, and he uh, he gets off planet by um, applying with the uh, Federated Alliance. And so the idea for this premise is that the Federated Alliance is basically, we wanted to show that existed sort of after the return of the Jedi of this particular galaxy. So it's right after this big battle where uh, the rebels have overthrown, like you said, this monarchy. And um, now they're, they've established this new kind of republic that is, um, that is uh, bringing harmony to the galaxy. And we established pretty quickly that it's, it's, pretty much a lateral move that it's not really a whole lot better um and we'll dig into that sort of as the season goes on i think to kind of explore what the what the ramifications of this new government are but yeah so uh plek uh is traveling from planet to planet to uh re- to on a on a series of diplomatic missions to reach out to civilizations and uh different species on different planets in the zix quadrant um it, which is the worst uh most backwater uh quadrant of the most uh, the farthest flung sector of this galaxy so it's sort of the outer rim of this galaxy and and a lot of scum and villainy but also just a lot of weirdos and so uh our missions are every episode we'll go to a different place meet a different person or a different species and uh and kind of figure out what their deal is and see what the see what their planet has to offer for the the federated alliance um so it's uh i'm sort of this kind of naive uh you know Philip J. Fry, or uh, sort of a much less intelligent Luke Skywalker, uh, and like you said, there's a there's a droid C-53 who's kind of a dry know-it-all, and then we have a kind of Han Solo Chewbacca um, hybrid who is Dar, who is kind of this non-gendered, enormous hulking uh, creature who's our security detail, um, and we travel in a ship called the Bargerian Jade, which is another Star Warsy name that I really enjoyed coming up with, uh, but is a little bit a little bit weirder than than a star wars name i think so the yeah the 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 four of us kind of travel around and 
and uh, we dig into the civilizations and the uh, the politics and the eccentricities of, of this very backwater uh, corner of the galaxy. And the ship's computer itself is pretty darn entertaining as well. So, yeah, <laughs> the personality. We still, we're, we've recorded about ten episodes, and we still haven't uh, determined how exactly. Uh, it's possible that the Bargerian Jade is sentient and wh- what that <laughs> exactly means in the world of the show. She's had, she's been married several times. She, we, <laughs> she implies that she has kids out there. So we're kind of trying to figure out how that works, but I think that's a, uh, that's a, uh, that's going to be a fun question to answer as we go. Yeah. Well, cool. She's, she's great. I look forward to listening to this show develop and uh, explore more worlds in the galaxy. Uh, on behalf of the Federated Alliance. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, Alden Ford, it, it's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you. If uh, people want to learn more about you, they can go to aldenford.com. There is a Facebook page for Mission to Zix, and mm-hmm. uh, definitely looking for more followers, obviously. Yeah, uh, so, uh, we're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> so jump on board with that. We're, uh, we're following you at Rebel Force Radio. and. Thanks so uh, much. Alden, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I'd like to talk to you again. Maybe uh, down the road a little bit, we can get your review of The Last Jedi when it's released in December. Oh, man, I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, man. I I have a good feeling about it. Oh, and uh, just one quick reminder. Zix, uh, because we are not uh, smart and uh, we didn't realize that it would be audio only, uh, we spell it Z-Y-X-X. Yes. People are uh, searching for that. That makes it a little harder to find if you uh, spell it phonetically. Well, Um, we're we're making it easy for everyone. There's a, a banner uh, right on uh, rebelforceradio.com. So you can just click on ah. that and it'll take you right to Audio Boom and the show itself. Very nice. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot, Alden. Take care. Yep. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. You must contact me. Play back the entire message. What message? Message, Doctor. The message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with you. It's a trick. Send no reply. <laughs> Hey, Jason and Jimmy, this is Eric from Michigan giving you a call about the latest insane news about Colin Trevorrow uh, leaving Star Wars Episode Nine. It's just nuts what's been going on. But uh, I have a couple thoughts on this. I, 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 I kind of attribute this to, unfortunately, what happened um, just, uh, just back in December with the unfortunate passing of Carrie Fisher. Um, I, I'm thinking that, uh, we heard that, uh, Colin and them had a kind of a script treatment or maybe an early version of a script ready to go. And they, they might've seen that and Kathy Kennedy and everybody was like, this is great. We'll go forward with this. And then we had the unfortunate passing of Carrie Fisher. And I think with the, having them to rejumble the script and, try to get a new writer in, that's when things kind of went downhill. I think Trevorrow and maybe his writing partner just couldn't crack it after Carrie passed away, unfortunately, and they had to try to fix and shoehorn in how they were going to uh, have Leia exit the the saga in a, in a, in a I guess, in a, in a nice way. And it's just, uh, it's just unfortunate. I think, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I, I, I just think that, uh, this is probably, oh, no. what he's leaving maybe, us hanging. Maybe it picks up on a, is there a, another one? Let's see. Uh, no, damn. 
Sometimes it does it. Oh. It just faded away. Yeah. Wow. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, say, this is going to be a bigger cliffhanger than uh, episode eight. <laughs> um, wow. Well, uh, Jim, I, he, you know, he brings up what I would mention about, and a, and a couple of callers have, have, have brought up uh, Carrie Fisher. And, and you sort of, earlier in the program, you kind of downplayed it in, in a way. You don't, it, it seems as though, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, that you don't feel that the Carrie Fisher factor is really weighing into this much at all. You think? Well, you know, I I, I have yet to uh, hear of any evidence leading us in that direction. I definitely know that that's one of the most obvious roadblocks and challenges with pushing the story forward in episode nine. That caught everyone with their guard down, unfortunately and. Tragically, the loss of Carrie Fisher is going to affect the the future direction of the Star Wars universe. Maybe it was something that Colin just couldn't work around. But I think that there's probably more fish in the pond than just Carrie's passing. I, I, there There might have been some very radical departures from the Star Wars sagas we know it that were being introduced by colin and i mean it's pure speculation on my part and i i hate to dive into it quite honestly without even knowing the facts i will say that i think that the passing of carrie fisher is something that probably came into play but wouldn't be the sole reason mm. to launch a guy like colin trevorrow who from all accounts behind the scenes i hear is just a great guy yeah, and uh, someone who is, is is certainly aware and respectful of Star Wars. Um, I, I I think I'm looking at more of a shift in the philosophy and direction in which the studio wants to make these films. I think they sent these young filmmakers out with these marching orders that they then rescinded, and it was too late. You know, I mean, the ship yeah. had already sailed. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're left, the studio's just left in a situation where they kind of have to clean house and start over again. Yeah. And it's unfortunate for the people that they've brought in who are probably looking at uh, involvement in the Star Wars saga as a dream come true. Yeah. And I, I hate to see talent getting cast aside like that, but if it doesn't fit with the vision that the studio wants, then they're not going to... They're just being careful with Star Wars right now, I think. They're being very careful with it. Yeah. It's the uh, it's definitely the golden goose. They want to keep getting those beautiful golden eggs out of it each time. And I got to say, they're two for two. Those are two movies that... In fact, the, the kids and I, we just went back and watched uh, after Force Friday. We went back and watched The Force Awakens. Uh, this past weekend and had a ball watching it and mm-hmm. laughing at the Rathars and BB-8 and everything. And that the, the, that movie just uh, continues for me to get better and better. And um, it's going to, you know, it's go. I think it's going to be that one that I remember kind of seeing through, the, you know, the, this trilogy is going to be, my, you know, my kids trilogy, their generation, uh, their trilogy. And uh, it's just fun to experience it. And then afterwards, uh, my son said, can we watch Rogue One? Like, yeah, we can watch Rogue One. Let's do it. So we watched both of those and it just whetted the appetite even more. I just I'm really, really psyched from the the, the the merchandise that's out 
to uh, all of these photos that we're seeing of uh, of Luke and Ray and Finn and Poe, ready to get back into action with these guys. It's been two years, ready to get back into it and find out what happens. I'm psyched. That's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Big, big thanks to our sponsor. Well, actually, first, thanks to our guest, Alden Ford from Mission to Zix. Check it out. Go to audioboom.com. Thank you. (laughs) That was a little late on the scroll. Uh, Also, don't forget about Patreon. Get access all access to RFR at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. You'll never miss an episode of any of our bonus content, including RFR Rush Hour, RFR Rewind, and RFR Q&A. Plus, giveaways, early access to RFR events, and so much more. Our friends at Tops they're always there with that great Star Wars card trader app. Rumor has it there's all kinds of Last Jedi stuff showing up. Also, classic imagery from vintage toys. All kinds of stuff in that great app from Tops. Also, you can email us. It's a great way to play with us in between shows. The email address, show at rebelforceradio.com. The voicemail line, 708-320-1RFR. That's 708-320-1737. We're going to try to get to more of your voicemails each and every show. So keep them coming. You can follow us on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank, and on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. Also, you might want to do a search there for the unofficial Rebel Force Radio group there on Facebook. Uh, the official website for us here at Rebel Force Radio is at RebelForceRadio.com. You can get a, all of the previous episodes, the back catalog we like to say plus news merchandise videos dropping it's really the hub of all things and everything rebel force radio including rfr t-shirts and much more itunes it's a great place to subscribe and review rebel force radio just one rule on those reviews please make them good and you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming at wgnplus.com we're on spotify google play stitcher soundcloud spreaker and just about anywhere else you can find podcasts. We're also proud to be an official friend of Wikipedia, the ultimate online Star Wars encyclopedia. can be found at wikipedia.com. You can find us weekly at jedinews.co.uk, yodasnews.com, and the official Star Wars website, starwars.com. Who knows? The next time we're together, we might be talking about the confirmed... New director of Star Wars, Episode 9. Time will only tell. In the meantime, keep it tuned right here. Rebel Force Radio. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you. Always.
What have I done? <laughs> <laughs>